drive. Hello and welcome to Series 4, Episode 3 of One Foot in the Podcast with me, Tom. Thank you for downloading once again. I really can't thank you listeners enough for your ongoing support. Apart from doing this to have a, a form of hobby and to review and talk about a great sitcom, I also do this to interact with you uh, chirps and to those who I don't necessarily hear from. It gives me great pleasure knowing that you're listening to the little old me banging on about a show that you know as well as I. But this week, I'm joined by a very passionate and loyal listener. It's David. Hi, Dave. Watch it, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I should <laughs> have seen that coming, but I didn't. <laughs> had to be done, because you're a Falls yeah. fan, obviously. I am, I, yeah. I but yeah, thanks for coming on, Dave. You've, you've been very kind with your feedback over the last, well, good. No, no, not at, at all. least a couple of months worth. You've been yeah. um, listening yeah. to every episode, and uh, oh, I hear I have, it. yeah. I hear it complements your dog walks very well, apparently. So <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I laugh at one of the clips you play, and I think people sort of look at me going, what's, what's that all about? Is that, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's mission accomplished for me, you know. It is, yeah, well, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. It's a so, bit like that episode of, uh, which I suppose you've just done, uh, when um, uh, Mrs. Warboys is telling uh, Margaret about Chris having an affair, and there's Victor laughing in the corner. Uh, I haven't actually done that one yet. Oh, have that you not one, done that one yet? No, but I, that's one of my favourite moments, that. Ah, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a bit like that, my, really. I think it's listening to the spam sketch dead of Monty Python. Oh, is it spam, is it? Oh, oh it you is, might be listening it? to that's the right. dead parrot as well as spam, because he just says spam, spam, it's spam. spam, yeah. I swear, I remember now, yeah. 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 But, Dave, thanks for coming on to the show. So I guess we'll break the ice and we'll obviously be had a chat before I press record, didn't uh-huh. I? But whereabouts are you from in the country? I'm from uh, Rill in North Wales, uh, which is uh, known for being sunny, sunny Rill, they call it. But <laughs> is it but really? It has, uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's not particularly sunny, but it has since had a more insalubrious reputation, so we say. Uh, so it's, but no, it's a great place. I really like living here. And uh, I've, uh, yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> okay, so... You're similar age to me. So when did you, were you watching One Foot in the Grave in the 90s, like as it was aired, or did you get into it later? Uh, no, I, I, my parents had uh, the VHS uh, double double video of... Uh, oh, those big chunky days. ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Massive, and so, Yeah, there was, we had the Fours and Horses ones as well. And uh, it really took Got up that. a lot of shelf space. <laughs> So yeah, we saw, um, I, I think it must have been one Sunday afternoon in 1998 at some time, we watched the whole of Series 4 in one go. Uh, oh. and Three hours of pure bliss. I know, yeah. And that is, Series 4 is just unbelievably amazing. Plus the Algarve, did you watch One Foot in the Algarve as well on the end? I, I have, obviously, I've seen them all since <clears> now, but at the time, no, that was always... In those days, I don't seem, even into the 2000s, we didn't have Amazon or eBay. We didn't go on it, at least. And so uh, I was always looking for secondhand videos of uh, One Foot in the Grave. And so I would get them in, in the funny order. Uh, yeah, I think that's the way it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s yeah, with Vita Max yeah. video. Um, but it was a joy when I was able, well, when you can get the box set. Oh, it is, isn't it? Specials. Yeah. Even when it first came out, it was relatively cheap, 15, 20 quid. I thought, that's not bad, yeah. brand new. But well, yeah, so good to have it's you brilliant. on. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great that we're able to enjoy the series nowadays on DVD. And uh, we don't have to rely on the BBC showing us. <laughs> no, but I would, I would like BBC or 
UK Gold or Netflix yeah. to show it because I think get more people talking about it again. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, they're quite they're yeah. quite deep episodes, especially this week's episode. I'm sure you listeners know because you downloaded it. But Heart of Dark, Hearts of Darkness mm. is arguably, well, it's up there for most fans. I think Hearts of Darkness. It's because of the the story it tells. It's a little bit too close to home for some people, I suppose. But yeah, I'm looking forward to. As ever, I look forward to talking about all these episodes, but the show just evolves more and more. Like when I think back to these sorts of episodes I was discussing in the first series, second series, like I'll talk more about that in a minute, but it's just it's just crazily evolved. It has, because it was quite, I, I remember you referring to series one as drab, and I think that's a very uh, on-point uh, phrase, because to, 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 it, it, it does feel quite, this first series, it looks much paler visually, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess, I guess by drab, I mean, it's a bit flat, but... It's, yeah. It was. He didn't know where. I, I guess Remick. I'm sure he had a vision of where he wanted to take the show. But it's like the vast majority of sitcoms, Falls and Horses included, it's always a little mm. bit flat. But when you eventually build up love for a show, you'll watch that series back, and you'll actually come to enjoy it. So I can watch series oh, one yeah, with, with great joy. But I guess if you're a first time viewer, you might go, "That's quite good." You know, I don't know where it's yeah, going. But there's some um, classics in there. I retire to battle them in particular. Is mm. is is? I think it's one of the greatest episodes of any TV show ever. It's yeah. uh, so so yeah, and it's and it's only got better and better as you say. And this series four is a real home run. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think series four and five cream mm. of the crop. I think mm-hmm. so. This week's review feel it does feel quite different to the norm. I guess it's obvious to say, but the sorts of debts Renwick brings us in this episode are, are new lows. This isn't just about a death of a family member or you know twenty five year brotherly feud, dead cats, etc., burning tortoises. These are some of the experiences we learn, obviously up until this point, are quite low. But this week's low is also quite hideous and upsetting to watch by way of abuse, abuse of the elderly. It's going to be a little different to avoid such topics today of doom, but it's got to be done because, you know, it's the storyline. And bear in mind, there are still plenty of laughs in this episode. So there is that. It's all part of a typical um, trait of a genius writer who can, you know, mix laughs and and tears Renwick is long since put himself in the to the hall of fame i think through definitely his style of writing but should we should we delve straight in yeah yeah all right the meldrews mrs warboys and mr swaney take a trip into the countryside where they end up stranded in a river and play trivial pursuit mrs warboys ends up concreted to victor such trials and tribulations are nothing compared to what victor walks into during their time away from riverbank so uh, opening scene then we're we're well away from riverbank from what we see it's a beautiful cottage with children running around back garden or front garden there's a caged rabbit well should it's i very idyllic uh, it is very it idyllic starts. it's beautiful. the way that it's it, they, it looks quite 1950s the way they mm. uh the, 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 the young children uh the, the young girls are wearing dresses yeah uh and there's uh, and of course the 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 rabbit and the uh, it's setting up that idea of being caged yes. in somewhere where it can't escape. Yes. Uh, which and that was something that never occurred to me in for, for, for ages and ages. I don't suppose it would when I guess if you're younger you might not listen to no, the no. deeper meaning. But the fact That's is right. there's a, a I guess a bunny rabbit, a toy bunny rabbit that is outside yeah, yeah. the cage and a real one in. Yeah. So it's like what's going on here? But yeah. straight away it's though. Surreal. Is this real? But it's, it's obviously some sort of summer's day. Oh yeah, slightly, yeah. slightly eerie, sinistry music, but it's slightly jolly. It's a hard, a funny mix. But we are immediately brought into the scene of the Meldrews car driving through the mm-hmm. countryside, and we are 
hit with a much nice upbeat song by um, Max Brygraves. Max Brygraves. Out of yeah. Town is. I hadn't heard, I probably the last time I heard this song was watching this episode. And it's, it's a great song. It's a great song. And it bring it really does complement the following montage uh, of a few scenes sort of all rolled into one quite nicely, really. And it does um, kind of, because it's from 1956, the song. Uh, I, w- I looked up on Wikipedia earlier. It got to number 18 in the chart. But uh, it does add to that, that, that summery 50s kind of time where the, where the summers were long and yeah. <laughs> wonderful. And yeah. the, there's, no, there's, the, it's, it's, uh, there's no intrusions from, from everyday modern life. But then, of course, we see, you know, <laughs> stuff Absolutely, happening yeah. in the montage which well, definitely you, are set in the red you talk about having time in your well time in your, you didn't use these words but time in your hands and long summer evenings but we, we've kind of had that this year because we've been mm. forced to well for, for the most part stay in or you know mm-hmm. if you're lucky to have a garden that is you can go out yeah it's nice to see straight away clearly they're on a the Meldrews and we've got Mr. Sweeney he's, he's nabbed himself a shotgun he's in the front <laughs> seat yeah, um, which is which is nice, and we've got a very funny instant laugh out loud. Margaret and Mrs. Warboys in the back wearing the same dress. There's that thing where, Brilliant. for some reason, I don't know if it's a thing anymore, but I don't I don't feel like this is a problem anymore. But no, no. Back when I was young, if if women were wearing the same mm. items of clothing, they, they would be yeah. horrified and a bit you know a bit livid with one another for not choosing something different. Yeah, and Margaret's clearly. Yeah, and I don't mean that as a sexist remark because I know no, it's not no, no, no. going to backtrack here, but it just felt... I think that. it's men as well. It could be anybody. I tell you what, in this day and age, I think men would probably be... In fact, I, I brought a... Um, when I was about 16 or 17, I, I brought a jacket from some outlet. Uh, it, yeah. wasn't really, it must have been sport, soccer sport. Like, it was really one of the, it's a bit like... Mm. Um, oh, what's that sport shop owned by Mike Ashley. Um, JJB Sports. Yeah, and he, and he also Sports owns... Direct one. Sports Direct. It was like that. Yeah. It was one of the cheap ones. Mm. We used to call it the Donny the Donne shop because Donne was quite a cheap... Yeah, the... I remember that. I, well, remember I brought basically a sports jacket. My mate, close mate of mine, still makes them now, he had the same and he refused to wear it. So actually, <laughs> I, I proved myself wrong there where it's us lads who are the same. Yeah. Anyway. But God, clothes are so di- there's so many different types of clothes now. I don't think I should say it really happens anymore. What's no. interesting about this uh, setup is that Mr. Swaney's there. You wonder, don't you, how he managed to invite himself along? That's a good point. Well, I I think Victor probably thought I cannot stand a whole day with Mrs. Warboys. Yeah. Although not to say he wouldn't want to spend the day with Margaret, but I think perhaps Margaret politely invited um, Mrs. Swaney because. Well, Margaret, so I just assume, and this is my take on it, she's inviting Mr. Swaney because she's, you know, got a good, she's got a good heart. Victor probably could take it or leave it. Yeah. He probably got him out of the house of the day because he's probably forever just looking after his mum or helping out the old mm. people, help the aged, whatever well, he does. Yeah, there, there are no Renwick said on the commentary that there was a scene which he deleted at the scripting stage uh, in the back garden, I think, and he kind of... So I don't know. So presumably Margaret was maybe putting out washing or something, and then um, Mr. Sweeney would have appeared, heard about it, and I expect so. And, yeah, you know. I did. But the fact he's nabbed um, shotgun in <laughs> yeah, the front the is quite seat. good. So um, yeah, Margaret and Jean, same outfit on. Margaret clearly not best pleased. Jean, more boys, probably doesn't care. She probably finds it quite sweet. But I think it's because Jean is that much older, isn't she? She's is actually referenced. Mm. I don't think it's referenced in the show, but she is as an actress. 
Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure she's 93 now, something like that. She's 94. She's 90, she's 94. 94. 94, that's it, yeah. And later on in this episode, there'll obviously be some slapstick moments where Jean's yeah. put through her paces and Margaret sort of makes out to Victor that, you know, she can't carry on yeah, the way yeah. she is. So yeah. it's implied she is that much older and she does yeah look a bit a look a little bit older I say that without mm-hmm. sounding rude but you know <laughs> it's it for me this is a sunday i'm gonna say this is a sunday trip out feels like um, it doesn't it yeah i wonder where jean's husband is at this point is oh, he yeah, always out on business i well i would imagine it's so it's certainly a weekend because <clears throat> uh she's not at the, uh, margaret isn't at the florist yeah uh and this does bring up the idea, you know, remember in the, the, the Beast in the Cage episode in the traffic jam, whenever my dad would see that episode, he'd always say, he's retired, he can go anytime, why does yeah. he need to go out on a bank holiday? That's uh, so true. <laughs> but I suppose maybe Margaret is going to the forest. <clears throat> but I, I don't, uh, I remember you were talking about this the other day, um, about how long she may have worked there. It always seems to me that, that, that it's probably a part-time job. Something oh, 100% part-time, time, yeah. I think she's yeah. winding down in her later years. She's yeah. late fifties at the youngest in series one. So she probably, I don't need, to, I think when I get to around that age, I like to think I'm, I'm going to be part-time, maybe even early yeah. retirement. Who knows? I've, I've always been curious about Victor's job because I know he's a security guard for 26 years, but he always, he seems slightly more middle-class than that. That's, I, that is a funny one. I, I don't think security guard is... I've never been sold on that idea that he was a security guard because no. although he does stand up for what's right and he would make sure things run smoothly as a security guard, I just feel like he would have had a trade. Like, if he was a mm. carpenter, I'd have believed that. Although he doesn't do the mm. best job with carpenters. No, that could have been mean, the joke. Yeah. That could have been the joke that he was somehow was a carpenter, but he, he can't I collapse a we... shed without, you know, going to A&E or he can't... Yeah modify a, a toy dummy not that you need to be a carpenter to do that but no no i know what you mean i think yeah. it's because renwick uh wanted this joke about it being uh replaced by a box because a box being indicative of a coffin and i yes. think he kind of worked backwards from there yeah that's it's not the most organic way of coming about it but it's, no uh, it, it makes sense though doesn't it yeah. yeah from that point of view mm-hmm. so despite the happy upbeat Sing from Max Brygraves. Uh, all-round entertainer he was. But I suppose a modern equivalent would be about Braddy Walsh or somebody like that. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or Shane Ritchie, I don't know. But despite, yeah. Yeah. despite the happy, upbeat song being played and the lovely drive, Victor, of course, cannot keep with the, the vibe as an oncoming car uh, and he are in dispute who should give way. This is another example of Victor's bravery. We'll see a lot more bravery yeah. later yeah. on, but I feel like if I had a car with if I was that sort of age, or well, any age, but a couple yeah, of ladies yeah. and then vulnerable. relatively vulnerable. I think Mr. Yeah. Swain is I, I just class him as vulnerable because he's so nice. I don't think I want to <laughs> put their their safety at risk by yeah. squaring up to four hard big I assume they're hard nuts. They're like four blokes yeah, and they look like it. You know, I wouldn't even if they're in the wrong, I'd probably be too yeah. spineless to challenge it. I just like but of course, brilliant sight of Victor folding his arms in disagreement and looking peak grumpy is just wonderful. <laughs> Such defiance lo- and stubbornness. There is, yeah. I, d- I do love that the driver of the car tends to, the, 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 the car jerks to a halt and he kind of slowly sideways looks at Victor and it's really intimidating. <laughs> I know, it's like something out of a film, isn't it, from their point of view. Like that's yeah. what happens in the film. But yeah, he's not willing to back down, but we do immediately see Victor reverse at high speed, probably challenge because yeah. they all got out, didn't they? So oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Had to Brilliant. back away, which in a way I'm surprised he didn't just take, I was going to say I'm surprised he didn't take a punch, but 
he obviously did at one point because they revert they reverse and then we of course see yeah they, he gives them some lip as as they drive past he, and then they yeah then he they kind reverse. of felt before they got to that bit but before just to be nitpicky that mm. he was forced to reverse and then he gives mm. them victor like gobs off at them mm. which makes them reverse back and then they obviously give mm. him a hiding but what made him reverse in the first place because as far as we can concern he just stayed there unless they were going to ram into the car and not care about I, the consequence i think it was them all four of them stepping out of the car in that way immediately as soon as he saw that he thought right i'll have to move back then i think there was uh, a slight way of you know how basel used to be kind of like he, he like when he was trying to put up the pitch he was going right i'll do it now you know it's a bit <laughs> Bit of that, I think. That's good. Yeah, that's a good um, comparison, actually. Yeah, Fawlty Towers fans out there, you'll know. So he what. wasn't exactly, yeah, he wasn't meekly uh, obeying them. He was doing it no. through clenched teeth. Because usually he just takes the, well, I can say he usually takes the hit, but he did eventually take the hit because we see a brilliant, um, <laughs> we don't, it, it works that we don't see him get punched because mm. clearly he's um, taken a hiding. Every road rage driver's worst nightmare when they actually. If you come up against someone who's you're outnumbered and they're just like they, they just they, they can't leave it they want to come at you again that is like yeah, yeah. my worst but yeah he's got a bloody nose and um we we don't it, yeah, we don't see him get hit it's just it no, works that we see the aftermath it's funny it's it's very clever how that's the <sighs> wonderful juxtaposition between the more uh, dreamy optimistic vibe we were getting up until that point and then suddenly we're thrust back into the modern day with exactly. uh, something really which is always is always there isn't it <laughs> modern it's always there kind of we don't we don't know who's we don't know which driver was in the wrong it's a narrow road it feels like it's um the belgians i know it's filmed in like the bournemouth region oh bournemouth also. yeah but, but, so but it's the london somewhere in, i can't remember yeah. where, where it's established but life for londoners if they're if they're traveling outside of London into the countryside, they get a little bit of a shock when, you know, these these roads yeah. are basically a few metres wide mm. and they come up to all sorts of um, little difficulties they might not have envisaged. Bit of comment, really. Poor old Victor, though, like, you know, no one deserves to smack in the nose just because they've been no. a little stubborn in that way. So, it's quite a violent day out, as it, as it turns out. So far, Victor, it's not great. It? Well, that montage does continue to the pub. And I'm trying to read what the pub name was called. Hambro Arms? I don't I know. Get it. It's hard. It's like in... Um, script kind of font style sign mm. signage like mm. Victorian or Georgian. Yeah, I think the right terminology. But um, but we we do hand. I think it's just called hand. And, well, yeah. we, we are we're set up for um, a bit of a comeback here because Victor's putting some eye drops in, blinking funnily and looking a bit foolish as he's administering those drops. I don't know if that's because he's got hay fever or because of the punch which made his eyes all blotchy as well. I don't know. Uh, I think it obviously sets up for a joke. Yeah, because he is in the countryside, isn't he? You'll be surrounded by heather and things. So perhaps it is the... uh, But it's very difficult to administer eye drops into the eye. So I don't blame him for uh, for squinting vividly. And uh, (laughs) he just looks incredibly strange to that man and his wife who are sitting down at the next... Well, they they catch Victor, you know, administering... Well, they don't really see that point. It's a bit like as ever... It's like Patrick not really seeing why yeah, Victor's yeah. behaving slightly peculiar. In this instance, he's just put eye drops in. The couple sort of step away. You know, it's quite a large <laughs> pub garden, to be fair. So they could just, um, they could move away. But the music sort of fades out briefly. And we're, we're, we're dubbed in with like a, cl- well, we see a close-up of a radio. And the radio commentary, I think it's cricket commentary. I think it's dubbed cricket, in, isn't yeah. it? Victor's listening to the commentary. 
quite intently, probably yeah, much yeah. better than listening to Mrs. Warboys and Mr. Sweeney. I in his in his mind, and I don't know if something's happened in the in the commentary which has brought him delight. Smashes his fist on the table in celebration. Ultimately, brings flying glass piece, you know, across the pub garden and hits the very bloke who moved away from earlier. And yeah, like you said, he gets another. Well, again, it instantly we're back in the car and Victor's now in the passenger with. Yeah, no, he's yeah. already in the passenger seat before when he post getting hit. So he's yeah, he returns to the passenger seat, so I say, um, sporting another bloodied nose. It's a very similar shot actually when we see him yeah. nursing a bloody nose. I had to rewind it and go, if they just use the same shot, but it is different. Yeah. It is good how we don't see the violence because it just wouldn't suit this kind of comedy in this in this way. I know we yeah. do seem see a lot later, but he does Fighting. get beaten up quite a few times in the series, doesn't he? Yeah, especially uh, to do at pubs. Like, there's some. It's an episode in series six where he puts a load of maggots in a guy's. Yeah, I was thinking of that episode too. Yeah, and he gets thrust through a window near the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he get he gets on the receiving end of some serious abuse there, doesn't Se- he? Yeah, the series two guy had uh, it, when he uh, when he uploaded all that rubbish into his car. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, um, and there's the Australian. Um, is it Desiree Gibbons dinner party and oh, she had an Australian yeah, yeah. friend and he was like awesome yeah. some bastard did... left their garbage in my that's whatever. right and in Wisdom of the Witch there's an American rest- restaurant at the restaurant the American guy speaking too loudly and yeah. he gets punched yeah I feel well, sorry for Victor the, the montage scenes do move on to like the duck pond we're in like a, a local park area and this time Mr Sweeney's voice is dubbed over the music and we see him taking a a nice little photo of Victor and Margaret and Mrs. Walboy's. <laughs> I do love this. Now, Mr. Melvin, if you take one step to your left, yes, you're standing in a huge pile of dog's mess. So, what you say, if you and smile. With the pond behind him, and and it's just a bit of a slight misdirection again, which I think Matt used that word to describe Mr. Swaney in Tricks on the Roof, where you think he's talking about. Some, a certain something and he he doesn't yeah. mean that um poor old victor and then they all they all put on like um a false smile a false grin yeah. even to make it look like they're enjoying themselves i was just gonna say it's like it's that it's that thing you know where you're supposed to be having a good time but you don't feel it so you have to like there's holiday pictures birthday parties you always feel like you have to make an effort yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So there's a bit of that. It's like let's all pretend we're having a nice time. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but obligation. it surprises me that Mrs. Warboys would not be still loving it. I know she's like witness, you know, almost not yeah, getting beaten up. But the the car journey was probably a bit nerve wracking, and the the pub experience where Victor is almost causing another huge fight for all of them. But she's yeah. still blasé about it so it's for her to put on that she's fate. quite a dreamy person yeah it's a shame mr swaney couldn't be in in the in the uh, photo but i suppose that they for the joke to work about the dog poo he had to be the one taking it and and directing victor unintentionally to the dog crap but i do i do think mr swaney's a bit of a twerk for wording it the way he did but he, i mean who would say it like that you just say watch out there's some crap down there just move move over yeah. a bit. i don't know it's so a, he's it's fiddling a with the camera though isn't he yeah. and he's being uh, and he's not completely engaged i do wonder you know if this if this location uh it looks very much like the like the, you know remember the montage scene at the end of the fiery final episode mm. and there's uh there's and Victor's sunbathing, and there's a lawnmower which goes past, and he gets covered. Yeah, uh, it all sticks to his sun cream. I think it's, it's actually filmed. Like, this this episode was filmed in 
it just says the Norfolk countryside. So all the way yeah. up, quite a couple of hours away, a good few hours from Bournemouth. So for some reason... Probably is the same place, yeah. It's for, There may well be for Series 6, but yeah, this is um, far away from where they usually film. Oh, definitely, yeah. The next part of the montage, obviously that lovely music's back in now. Victor's lying down in the park. His, his eye catches a chubby <laughs> bloke scoffing food and you know it must do his head in what he's seeing like this guy scoffing crap and then he is littering but i think victor he decides he probably doesn't want to challenge it because what he's already experienced that day but there is a park keeper nearby picking up litter and we we've we've seen this chap eating like using a bottle of ketchup other bits and pieces and the park keeper is picking up litter with what is that tool it's like a stabbing fork it like yeah. Just it, it's um, what it, I'm going to call it a stabbing thing. It's like a hoe, isn't it? It's this thing which, uh, yeah, I what? know, it's, it's a weird thing. Whatever it is, he knows what it is. That's he, the main thing. He looks around and the park keeper obviously is picking up an empty, squidgy bottle of ketchup, which is yeah, conveniently yeah. behind the bloke who's now lying down, who looks, yeah. to me, looks unconscious, probably through too much eating. And the, ke- the, 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 the red sauce goes everywhere. So it looks like he's been stabbed. And Victor's obviously looking It's a bit very horrible. macabre, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's really quite... It's, there's, it's a bit of... Um, uh, I, I think... I suspect that Renwick enjoys gothic horror and hammer mm. horror and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there does seem to be a, uh, a bits of... If we see the McKendrick swings, for example, yeah. there's blood involved. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah, you must have and a thing for it. And then when Victor was uh, was playing a vampire in Nostradatu in the oh, yeah. Nostr- good. I can't say it Nostradatu, yeah. Yeah. In the final series. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a blood theme here and there. But obviously it's we don't see Victor's take on the no. what it looks like he's been stabbed from um afar. Montage sort of continues a bit now where they are Victor and crew are in a canoeing boat. So Mr. Swain is obviously taking charge. I love how, like a Boy Scouts leader, he's, he's, got, he's that type, I assume he's that type, where he is, of course, rowing um, There's three passengers. And unfortunately for Victor and the others, there's a sign that clearly says, warning, keep to designated areas of river only. And as they pass, it's conveniently covered up by a hanging, broken, like, loose mm. branch. So they don't actually see that, which will obviously lead us into a bit of... um. Well, a problem for for the for the four day trippers, and that montage ends there. So the group are now playing, well, everyone's favourite game in my opinion. Well, certainly mine, Trivial Pursuit. Got to be played at Christmas, but yeah, great. I game. wouldn't play it any other time of the year other than Christmas. Maybe the odd dinner party. Not like I go to the dinner parties anymore. Maybe I've been to a few, but I feel like dinner parties and Christmas you play Trivial Pursuit than yeah. the old one, so it's even harder. Board like games what? are the real reason of Christmas, aren't they? Hundred percent. He's got to have a board game. Like eight out of ten cats as a board game is one of my favourites. Uh, what's oh, the other right. one like? Would I lie to you? Brilliant. We got oh, to use a bit I'd of creativity. It's so good. Yeah. Cluedo um, is a big favourite for me and my friends. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, we love Cluedo. Free advertising for board company, <laughs> board game companies. There, say, say, yeah. say no more. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not monetized for this podcast, so no. Some um, shows have a uh, have a spin-off a board game, don't they? As you've just mentioned, would I lie to you? I wonder what what, what a one for the grave board game would be like. There is a Fools and Horses one. Yeah, I've got the Fools and Horses one. I feel like one from the grave could be along the lines of Jumanji, because with Jumanji, I'm not saying you know things have come to life and you no. know, like rhino, rhinos master. and monkeys, 
but like there'll be situations you're in and you've got to try and it, it'd almost be like a puzzle uh, like a maze but yeah, Victor yeah. Is in this situation definitely a storytelling board game but yeah yeah uh the, oh, the irritant of it, i have no idea actually uh, like he would get maybe he his car would break down or something like that yeah and then uh yeah we we could do this ourselves we like, yeah we'll have to come up with a prototype <laughs> <laughs> i was never good at graphics design at school so i could come up with maybe ideas but designing it is another matter i'll leave no. that to you assuming you're more creative than i am with that uh anyway sorry um so the plane the plane we now see Mrs. Warboy's gone on an absolute unstoppable run of all the questions mm. thrown at her, all different genres. And I was thinking, how how would she know like all of this? So she's either played this game about a thousand times and therefore remembers all the questions, because it does get to a point. If you play the same ball game yeah, yeah. several times, you just remember the answers. Or is she like because she's so like nosy in life and she just knows things and finds things out, she probably it probably does her serves her quite well when it comes to general knowledge. So I don't know, maybe it's that. She could just be quite an intelligent woman. But Well, I, you've spoken about this, haven't you, in previous ones? And it was very interesting because you were able to point out that, and I'd overlooked this completely, that there are times when she's really clever, but then there are other times when she seems a little bit more dim. Yeah, uh, the, I was trying to remember from series one where she, that she, there was something that she didn't know. She didn't know something that appears obvious. But right. obviously, in was it Alien? Tri- it was the Alien film, wasn't it? Yeah, like she. I remember. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't remember the series of questions Vic, uh, Margaret asks. I'm sure one of them was a film. Yeah. Question, she, but the, yeah. that's right. Mrs. Warboys was ill in bed, and Margaret came to give it some uh, films, and she looked at it and went, "Alien." Oh yes, I think I like that because she likes sci-fi apparently. But uh, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad you recall that because I remember speaking about it at the time. But when I was making notes for this this episode, I thought, what was the time where Mrs. Warboys didn't know something relatively obvious that you know, in compared to her trivial pursuit knowledge, doesn't add up? But yeah, I guess we all have off days, don't we? Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, I, I played. I played many of ball games with fam- family members who were really good, but then like day to day, they might not know certain yeah. pop culture yeah. references as well. But yeah. anyway. I think um, Mrs. Warboys probably has a good memory more than more than intelligence per se. What does the excrement of a gazelle smell of? <laughs> Goodness sake! How the bloody hell do you know all these? Sorry, Mr. Meldrew. Excrement of a gazelle. What do you do? Go about sniffing it? <laughs> How many noses Conway Twitty's got? <laughs> Forty minutes of we've been playing and no one answered the question yet. Which really pisses Victor off at this point. He stands up to shout for help. That you know They're all stuck, obviously. Yeah. I don't actually think he was calling for help despite him saying help. I think he was just so fed up with being in that situation. Yeah, feel like a beast in the cage. He knows he can't go anywhere, but mm. he's just so... He just wants to get out of that boat I, because I, what he's hearing. I do wonder why they brought Trivial Pursuit along with them. I would imagine they played it Oh, yeah. During uh, when they were maybe having a picnic or something I, like I, that, I, that was I, the idea maybe. I did not think of that. I I wouldn't think to bring a ball game if I'm going to go on water. The purpose of their day out is just a drive to the countryside and then stop at a park. Yeah. So to play trivial pursuit in a park seems weird. That's a valid point. Why on earth have they got trivial pursuit? I don't know. Unless unless it's Mr. Swainey's. He had a rucksack the whole time. He just carries it because it's Mr. Swainey. 
I can believe it. Anyone else, I'd yeah. be like, it doesn't make sense. Mr. Swain you know, probably got something to keep him entertained. Hmm. Renwick describes him as, as uh, a Boy Scout, an overgrown Boy Scout. And of course, Boy Scouts, I suppose, are incredibly, uh, they prepare for every situation. They're so, organized. Yeah. Yeah, they're organized. So maybe there's a bit of that in, in Mr. Swaney. He yeah. thinks, oh, you know, bring along a game of Trivial Pursuit. Who knows? <laughs> we might need to play it. Old Vic's got a couple of little bits of bog roll swirled up his nostrils by now. So he's um, yeah. not best pleased. So, the questions in that are brilliant. The, the Conway Twitty uh, thing. That was, that was, uh, how many notices does Conway Twitty have? <laughs> and they've been playing the game for Victor with his little rants. And how, how the hell do you know all these, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. 40 minutes of game time and, and nobody's had a question yet. So 40 <laughs> minutes straight. That's a lot of questions because at the, it is. At the rate Mrs. Warboys is answering the questions is quite on point. Like it takes a half a second. She hasn't got to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she must have had almost a full circle of wedges to complete the game. Like I'm surprised, it took, something. I'm surprised it took 40 minutes, but it all depends on where yeah. you die is um, thrown, what, how lucky you get with that. But anyway, Victor sort of describes how they've gone from driving on the A143 to ending up on the set of Apocalypse Now. I did read that it was a bit of a link-up with the movie. Apocalypse Now was based on a novel which shares sort of the same name as this episode, Hearts of Darkness. So quite clever little link-up there from Renwick. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that, that is really what the whole episode is, is, ba- is, is based on, really. Mm. The, uh, I, I, years ago, I read uh, Hearts of Darkness, a novella by Joseph Conrad, and uh, I, I looked it up, and it was 1899. It was from, but from what I remember of it, it was it was it's about a guy who has to who's uh, who goes into the the Congo uh, to 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 meet <laughs> to meet this ivory trader uh, named oh uh, uh, what's it Kurtz? That's it. The man's name is Kurtz. Uh, and so this, and this guy has turned himself into a tyrant. Really, he's uh, he's tried. He went there to to to, um, uh, to help uh, the African people, the whole white man's yeah. burden thing. And he ended up being a demigod of sorts. Oh right. So okay. that's basically what happens in this episode of uh, One Foot in the Grave. There's lots of similarities. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm grateful you had that bit of knowledge because I didn't really like. I just knew a little. That there was um, a connection. Just an observation and, and one for the audiovisual experts or in the filming industry, maybe. When we see the long, we see like a long shot of the four of them, like the camera's behind some long grass growing up the, the lake or the river. How is it we cannot like see like a boom mic? And sh- obviously, they know not to have a boom mic in shot, but I thought boom mics would only be maybe like half a meter above the actor's head so they can pick mm-hmm. up the like the audio, but. The long shot can sort of like has a good few meters above them as well of space, so unless they've got little mics on their um, costumes. I don't know how we can hear them so clearly. I've always, yeah, I've always wondered point. that with with films and yeah, films where you where you, you can't see it. I guess I've answered the question. They've probably got a tiny little mic inside their jacket, but you I wonder why thought, they don't use those mics all the time in that. Case. Yeah, unless because they're obviously they're probably being shot with the close up. Mister Swaney's got like a more of a less negative, more playful outlook on how. You know, funny things turn out when um, mm. when the river sort of split into three. So they're acknowledging that where they went wrong. I think I think Vic, Victor at this point equips with a remark 
like by saying, and he's not, he doesn't usually snap at Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Mr. Sweeney like this. Yes, we got ourselves into a right pickle when the river split into three back there, didn't we, Mr. Meldrew? Funny how things turn out. Funny? Yes. It's a pity we didn't have a needle and thread. I could sew up my sides where they've split from laughing. <laughs> well, who would? They've been there for quite a while at this point. He chucks his bloody tissues in the river, which the audience sort of go, ugh, you know, <laughs> which is a bit minging. <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't usually react like that to Mr. Sweeney, but I guess he's really lost his rag. It's interesting to see the uh, parameters of, I suppose, of Mr. Sweeney's good nature, I suppose, mm. because usually we only see him on his terms when he comes round. And yeah. so we're probably seeing him when he's in a really good mood. So this is a time where where the situation is really quite bad and he's still really happy and he's still quite cheerful. We'll know why he's got a bit of positivity in a minute, but there is another long shot of the boat where Victor at this point stands up and shouts for help. And this time we don't really hear it through a microphone. It's like just organic acoustics, which I love. Yeah, where it's not yeah. coming through the mic. It just works so well. It brings a sense of realism, more comical value. Help! I love that because it's not only is he calling out for help, but which is a standard thing to call out, but he's calling out with such angst in his voice that those who may be in earshot, like, for God's sake, somebody help. And he does it in Beast yeah. in the Cage rather than saying, somebody help, is anyone there? It's like, for God's sake, somebody help me. Yeah, we it's, know like, he's it's not... almost as if there are people watching. Yeah, and he's like annoyed they've not heard them <laughs> yeah. or seen them yet. Yeah. yeah. Also, Victor is responsible for losing all... The oars, Margaret yes. chucks back in his face because he's sort of blaming, well, indirectly blaming Mr. Swain, it feels like, for getting them lost. Mm. But so, well, if he weren't, if he didn't basically get rid of the oars or lose the oars or whatever, because I think he was trying to. What, what it was is he was, uh, he was using the oar to try to uh, get some momentum going with the boat because they were right. stuck in the mud. So if you uh, poke the oar into the ground, you'd be able to uh, push yourself away. Right. Uh, yeah. I, think yeah. that, I think that's what was going on there. Uh, and really, it's just a reason for him to lose the oars. He also says that he has to take some Valium now as he's all tense, which Margaret mm. obviously says, sarcastically says, you should take them all, put, a, put us out of your misery, <laughs> or put us out of our misery even. That's not the first yeah. time she's she's recommended that he does himself in. But I don't know why he's carrying Valium. Renwick mentioned this on the commentary. He said that there are a couple of instances prior to this episode where it's said that Victor takes Valium. I think Renwick said that he's pro it's probably a low dose. Yeah. So, um, yeah, okay. But I suppose with him being so chronically uh, frustrated and infuriated, there must be some medication he's on yeah. to help him. Well, Mr. Sweeney asks, you know, oh, has anyone seen the lid to the game? And Victor points out it's now floating away away in the river. I don't know at what point the, the, the lid uh, fell into the boat because you just place it flat down, I assume. But anyway, it's in the river. And it brings us to a marvellous moment where Mr. Sweeney just casually gets out of the boat to retrieve it. It's barely two feet deep. Please have only in two feet of water. We all wanted to stay here and play Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> I think he speaks on all, our, on all of our behalf. What the bloody hell? Like, I think Mr. Sweeney probably, he sort of sorrow, sorrowfully, sorrowfully, sorry, responds. I thought they all wanted a nice game of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Really? Like, in, have you seen, are you a Dad's Army fan? 
I've seen many episodes, yeah. There's this, the special, the, the Dazzle in the movie, not 2016, mm. but no, no, the 71. Yeah. Where Manrin and some of the troops, they are also in a, a boat like this, and Manrin decides to be brave and, and I think he, he decides to get in the river. To oh, swim. yeah. So, That's he, right. He makes a big, it's a big fuss, like he's yeah. taking off his, his gear, and there's some sad music playing and then of course he jumps in it and he goes up to his ankles that reminded me of that yeah um, just ridiculous why mr swaney wouldn't have said don't worry guys like i can just walk out and yeah he didn't really read the room there did he if he knew how frustrated victor was getting i suppose well, <laughs> he really... he, i mean i guess from his point of view they, they although they were a bit lost they were distracted by playing trivial pursuits so he probably just didn't think to Mm. But nevertheless, mm. blimey, come on, Mr. Swaney, sort it out. Yeah, that's uh, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like something Grandad would do in Fools and Horses, where you you just sort of you, you don't see that, that, that there is a logic to it, but it's it's really. Uh... What about Dumb, Dumb and Dumber? Have you seen Dumb and Dumber? Where, of course, I have. Yeah, where they're on the back of that little moped. And, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yes, yeah, what's yeah. This, what's, um, the, the gloves. Harry, he's he's freezing, yeah. and 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 um, Lloyd goes, oh, have this extra pair, you know. Yeah. My 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 said, you hands are quite two, sweaty. You had two pairs. You had one. There are two gloves. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So it's, that's it's, it feels point. like that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, it's anyway, it's not it's not malicious, is what we mean. Not, no, it's just a little bit. It's selfish, An but not really intending to be. Anyway, next scene, we're, they're, they're now walking through the woods. Mr. Swain is, of course, leading like the grown-up Boy Scout he truly is. Yeah. Victor's quite bizarrely looking out for Jean. He's quite protective of her at this point because she's sort of at the back, struggling to keep up, I think. And he, he says, you mind your new dress on those thorns. Margaret absolutely livid because, well, first of all, he's probably not, he's not really considering her as, you know, her safety. But also, doesn't... <laughs> Victor Bizarrely doesn't know that they're wearing the same outfit. Yeah. Um, I don't know this is man, like... he doesn't notice. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm bound to make your wife jealous if you sort of indirectly compliment their best friend's attire. Not, it's not really a compliment, he's just saying, mind that dress, you know, you're going through, you're passing some thorns. But is this like another example of Victor? I don't know, like, I'm not saying he's got feelings for Mrs. Warpoise, not in the slightest, but he's just so far attached with with romance in any tiny mm. way that he wouldn't look out for his wife in that instance i don't know he could look out for both of them but but yeah she is struggling in the background <laughs> she is struggling in the background it's a bit inaudible what she's saying we can't really hear but she is she is struggling i knew it was going to be one of these days if i put a bloody rabbit costume on she'd have turned up wearing one <laughs> ow <laughs> <laughs> sorry rabbit costume on she'd be yeah, wearing, yeah, one she'd of wearing one yeah brilliant it, it, it does feel uh like the the story the conrad story in the way uh in in that they're in a wood that could very easily be a jungle which is you know the setting of that yeah of the heart's darkness story so it's, yeah. it's like a very it's like a very english version of the african wilderness instead of having the the, the congo river we have uh, a like nice picturesque little little river yeah uh and then instead of dark jungles we have you know a wood it's it's, uh, a, it's a funny it's very misty and hazy isn't it it's quite it's quite yeah. nice if, yeah. whether that's done purposely or that was the weather that day i haven't actually seen apocalypse now so i don't know if it's 
no, got I scenes haven't. like that. So I don't know, but it's just another observation there. Margaret lets out such an amazing growl um, as she rips her dress. <laughs> it's just, it's now thundering, of course. And yeah. Victor says, oh, great, that's all we needed. I've, I've, when he said, oh, great, it didn't sound right coming from Richard Wilson. Saying great, oh, great. I don't know what it was. It just didn't sound like the right bit of dialogue you should say. It should be more like, mm. oh, wonderful or oh, marvellous. But that'll be fine. But in my view, oh, great, didn't sound like yeah, fluid coming out of it? It's just something tiny picked up. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. Well, Mr. Um, Sweeney does spot something, much to Victor's an- anxiety. See, there is an off-road white van, and the back door is still conveniently open, so or it's unlocked anyway, so yet more uncomfortable filming conditions for the actors. It's obviously not really raining, I assume, but they are probably, it's probably, it could be cold in, in, the, in the woods, and they've got rain tipping, pouring down on them, so more conditions that'll be uncomfortable for them, I'm sure. All squashed in the back of this van now. There is a bit of a leak. I noticed Jean is cuddled up to Victor. There's a few, there's a few little things where they're sort of unintentionally close, like they could be. Like there's a misunderstanding later on in the series with a, is it a, a cucumber or a courgette uh, in bet- wedged in between the door cr- door frame in their house, like in another episode. It's pitch black and and Mar- uh, Mrs. Oh, Wallboy yes. is freaking yeah. out, thinking it's basically Victor's member. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, but um, no. Anyway, well, it's because he doesn't really. Uh, it, it's it's slightly incongruous seeing Victor uh, on as it's, uh, with Mrs. Warboys like that. It's a bit like the episode you covered the other day when there was that man, the window cleaner, who was uh, asleep while they were watching a studio audience sitcom. And uh, it, it, there's it's that comedy thing, isn't it? Of somebody yeah. sleeping on your shoulder. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit more, more like it's a bit irritating. It's a it bit is, more yeah. inappropriate. <laughs> Well, I think it's later in the day. Mr. Sweeney abruptly wakes them all up. They all, you know, they spark out. The sun's out, and Mr. Sweeney casually says, I've just been watching two frogs having sex. <laughs> no irony, no sort of. No. Just that's what he's seen. It's perfectly innocent, but he doesn't mind coming out with it. Like when yeah, he says, it's... Is it me or is it moist? He doesn't mean to sound crude. He just says, no, there's a there's a slight schoolboy fascination with uh, with two frogs having sex for him. I suppose he would be he would be feeling slightly naughty, maybe watching it, but yeah. would also be quite interested yes. in that. Because uh, I, I I think uh, Nick Swainey is the kind of man who has the complete set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He's that and... kind of guy. I think he would find that interesting. And I feel like if he maybe answered the first question in Trivial Pursuit, he'd have done a Mrs. Warboys and be answering one after the other. Yeah, Who maybe. Knows? Yeah. I think Mrs. Warboys might have got lucky and just was able to go first. I don't know. Because you have to roll yeah. you have to roll roll a six to go for or like the highest. Am I think of a different game? Probably not Monopoly, I'm thinking of. I don't know. But um, Monopoly is, is awful to play, isn't it? Because you can't buy anything for, uh, the first go around. Can you? No. you always have to it's a very long game. I, I used to enjoy Monopoly more as a kid, but when I play it now, I just think it is pretty boring, like, because yeah. it's just bum clenching, hoping you don't land on someone's hotel or you know, property. <laughs> That's all it is, isn't it? Like, you just got to avoid yeah. it and just endlessly give him money away and get money. It does, it's not much to it, really, if you think about it's it. But... Not the, it's not the most exciting game either. It's just it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's just such a tradition. That's a traditional game to play at the Christmas yeah. time. 
it is. Isn't so it? Um, that's how I saw in the Millennium playing uh, playing Monopoly. <laughs> really? Well, you'd have been young. I was, I was about fourteen, I think, seeing in the Millennium at my aunties and uncles, and we uh, just watched the telly. Yeah, um, yeah. And my auntie, in fact, was in bed with flu. So it's such a like. Oh, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I was um, a bit older. I, I probably wouldn't have necessarily been partying, partying. But I don't know if I'd have been at my auntie and uncles. But there you go. <laughs> So here comes a bit of slapstick now. So they're just about to leave the van when Victor and Jean's feet are cemented together in a bag of cement, of course. And I, I wonder if this makes Mar- Margaret a little bit jealous because they're kind of a bit close again. I don't know. Mm. She doesn't really look too... She looks more sort of distressed on their behalf. Um, but of course, the, the, dri- the drip, the, the leaks, should I say, tricks on the roof. They had a leak, didn't they? Um, mm. Bucket between them. But here we are, another That's leak. Right, yeah. This yeah. time... It's broken into because it's a builder's van. There's, of course, yeah. yes, bags of cement. Their feet have gone into the broken bag of cement and they are now, they, they must have slept for a good couple of hours for that to set because they are now stuck together. Which is brilliant. It's brilliant that it's not Victor and Margaret because Victor and Margaret, because they're married, you kind of, it wouldn't seem so funny somehow. There's, yeah, there's right. something slightly ridiculous and where he's uh, connected to, uh, to, to Mrs. Warboys. <laughs> And I don't think it would even work with Mr. Swaney because I don't, I don't, Mr. Swaney is so, I don't want to see him in an in, in, um, undignified position, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I think the, uh, for some reason, Mr. Swaney is, uh, uh, we, he shouldn't be made a fool of for some reason. I don't I feel. think you're right. Yeah. I think. I don't know why. Mrs. Warboys is prone to this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Stuff happens to her in this in in over the course of six series. You yeah, know, she gets absolutely. slumbered in that sack by Ray Winston and thrown down a hill <laughs> and all these other things. It's really, yeah. Yes. And she not close call of one foot in the Argarth with potential yes. rape. It's a bit. I was going to say, Mr. Swaney just reflects on it being a bit of a shame that I think I think he said that that, that is not. They've got these like tally wood to crack open the cement bag. I couldn't yeah. make up what he said, but Victor responds in sarcasm, saying, "Yeah, well, if he'd broken his toes." Mm. It doesn't matter because he's already in plaster. A bit of a nice joke there. I think. Yeah, I, I didn't hear what Mr. Swaney said either. And uh, I, I think I, for some reason the audio didn't seem to pick it up because I did it find it back. I think and, it's, Vic, uh, it's Nick Swaney saying if we just bashed open the yeah. cement bag with this a type of wood or t- a, a, an object, yeah. it would have done the trick. And Victor saying, well, that mm. would have only broken my toes, yeah. my three toes, because that um, object is heavy. But yeah, however, yeah. it's in plaster, so it doesn't brilliant, matter. Um, brilliant joke. They are struggling along now. There's a bit of like the music that they play when we see Victor, uh, Mrs. Warboys, and of course Nick Swaney and Margaret either side of them. It's like Step to Sun type music. Mm. Like here we go. Yeah. Like the clown, the circus is is started. Victor needs to go to the toilet at this point, poor Mrs. Warboys. And he goes up against the tree. And Margaret says sort of to herself, why do men always have to be up against something? Which is true. I don't know why we do that. It feels like, for me, if I do up against a tree, it's just because it feels like privacy. There's no one in front of you. Um, well, we used to urinals, aren't we, which is up against something. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's the nearest thing. Yeah. But yeah, Mrs. Warboys is very close to um, seeing his member. But not only that, it's for me that the, the hilarious bit is him selling her to put, a, put his fit, put her fingers in his in their ear. Oh, I can't even say it. Uh, <laughs> he, he says you're gonna have to look the other way and put your fingers in your ears. Yes. Yeah. 
the sound of the urine is just too much yeah, for her the, the innocent ears. Of it. <laughs> they do continue to struggle on now. Um, I feel exhausted just watching them in a roundabout way. And Jean, by now, does need some help from Margaret. Like she's holding yeah. onto her arm and she's holding onto Victor's arm. Victor says there's two hours of this. Like they've been walking around for two yeah. hours. And they come to a point where they see, unfortunately, for the four of them, they've arrived back at the van. I don't be. This isn't happening. Two hours of walking round in a bloody circle. I Now, one thing, so they've circled it themselves. They've wasted all that time. And I just thought if Mr. Swaney has got a background in Boy Scouts, Boy Scouting, clearly or, orienteering or, or navigating a map isn't yeah. his strong point. I know they didn't have a map, but you'd have thought he'd have the skill to find some sort of civilization within, yeah. you know, at least a compass on him. Just so, a good sense of direction would do, wouldn't it? I know. Um, I, I think what happened, must have happened is that it must have been a, a, a quite a slow incremental turn uh, when, it, when it was a circle. Yeah, uh, it's like not that, an obvious... Yeah. yeah, they didn't really realise. Well, anyway, I noticed the, the van is owned by DS Cribs Builders. Is there a reference to them at all in, an, in other episodes? Uh, there's no, always a reason for these things. I just wonder what... I couldn't I find was, anything uh, obvious, unless it is mentioned... Sorry, uh, Renwick said on the commentary, which is a comedy name, and he left Crip, it at that. Crips Builders. I wonder if there's a pun yeah. on this. Not listen, DS Crips Builders. Someone would tell no, me. No, I don't sure. think so. No. I think it's just, it's just a funny name. When they've established that they've just basically gone around in a circle, Margaret lets out such a fantastic growl <laughs> for the second time. Yeah. It's, I've always said this. I find it funny than any one, like not any one line of Victor, but any catchphrase from Victor, that, which they're all funny. Yeah. Margaret's growls or shrieking is joy to my ears as far as I'm concerned. But they do see yes. joy. They see joy in, as a car. Like, oh, they're going to be rescued. Typically, <laughs> it's the louts from earlier. And they, they've got no time for Victor. They either recognise Victor and Margaret, which is the war boys in the next range, or they're just horrible men. Not only do they just zoom past them but they of course drive through a puddle they're soaked to their skin i imagine this actually separates victor and mrs warboys now somehow them falling over they're able to separate their feet from the cement so no damage done apparently you know no i didn't that didn't really work for me but i understand that it's a necessity for the plot that you need to liberate them somehow Yeah. yeah absolutely well, Margaret, this is where I think Margaret, um, we're talking about Jean being a bit older. Margaret acknowledges like Jean cannot go on any further. They do actually decide to stay in the van whilst Victor heroically decides to go on further for help. Again, he's probably just doing it to get away from their company, but he is coming mm. from a good place all the same. Yeah. It looks like he can, he can hardly walk straight now. There's a bit of a, quite a few shots of him walking and walking through farming fields and uh, woodlands and it's getting darker and darker until he falls flat on his face, covered in it. I'd, I'd love to think it's cow pat, but it's just mud, I think. And no, he I ends think up, it is cow pat. Is it definitely cow pat? I would imagine so, because he does need a shower later on. So there is that hint that it smells bad. Yes. Yeah. That's just a guess. I think so, yeah. You're probably right. Very spooky, though, the way this is filmed, and it's there's some spooky oh, music definitely. playing. And yeah, he, when he falls over, he goes to get up, and we do see like what we assume to be a spooky figure in front of Victor, like shoes and legs. Yeah. 
but it is of course a scarecrow with a pumpkin for a head um the audience chuckle at that but i just found it a little bit a bit spooky he it's does brilliant spot- though yeah. It is brilliant because, uh, of course, as we know, that's uh, the scarecrows come into it later. So it's yes. a w- brilliant bit of there's this device called uh, Chakov's gun, Anton Chakov being a, a Russian playwright. And he said that if you put a gun on the mantelpiece in chapter one or scene one, it has to go off uh, a few scenes later. So right. in other words, everything has to be used in some way. You can't just put something in for the sake of it. So well, that's this what Renwick is... does, isn't it? He, any it is, detail yeah. matters. Yeah, that's quite important, actually. Although, Futility of the Fly in Series 6, that was, yeah. I think he was, that was purposefully written to explain that sometimes you can't explain randomness yeah. in comedy, yeah. which is the exception, yeah. I think. But anyway, back on point, Victor does spot a rather large manor house at the end of this farming field once he's seen the, the scarecrows. And of course, things do go, we're going to, be brought down a, a peg here now because it's not really laugh out loud at the minute like something's going on he looks too knackered to be relieved i i know so i'd be like thank god I, this civilization there's potential help but he's, he's just sort of too tired for all that and he is like yeah. an old-fashioned doorbell lever i don't know what, that, what they're called you don't really see those anymore you might still have them on big man houses like that uh, an elderly gentleman answers the door played by bill gavin we'll talk more about bill gavin later and the gentleman just looks Victor up and down with a <laughs> big funny grin. Uh, good evening. I'm, I'm terribly sorry to uh, disturb you at, uh, at this hour, but I'm afraid my wife and some friends and I would have been lost. That's uh, far from here. Uh, I, I wondered if I could use your phone to call the police or somebody. You're all muddy and wet. <laughs> you need a good hot bath. The, the gentleman uh, lets Victor in and says he should have a nice hot bath, and he just shows Victor to the downstairs bathroom there he says there's two others upstairs imagine that size you'd probably have like six bathrooms but anyway not gonna quibble doesn't seem a lot for me so victor i think he's just talking about the second floor there good point yeah there's probably a third third or fourth mm-hmm. story it probably doesn't include on suite that's what i was gonna say yeah yeah victor does sort of wants reassurance from this um gentleman who, li- who lives here as far as he's concerned is he gonna ring the police and he sort of gives Victor, a grin. He's got nothing behind the eyes, sort of like, we, no. we don't know what's going on at this point. That seems a bit bizarre. He, he, he may not be entirely functioning. He's, he just doesn't give that impression. Yeah. Like, if you're watching this for the first time, it's like, that's a, that's a bit weird. He, he seems yeah. like what He's people... left us a stop on every floor. Yeah. <laughs> he might come across as a bit of an odd character to yeah. if you just met this person for the first time. But you might also go, something's going on here. And Victor, to be fair to him, he doesn't really go, well, bloody hell, mate, like, answer me. Like, he's, Victor can actually read situations quite well most of the time. He just doesn't yeah. seem to do it in relationships. Mm. But um, I so... think it's important that, it's interesting that this episode, that when he uh, approaches the house from outside, we immediately hit the 15-minute mark. And, right. Uh, so it's, so the episode really is in two halves. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it is bang on in the middle, isn't it? Because it's... on the it's... face of it, it seems quite disjointed, but it isn't. no. I guess, yes, it is bang on the bang on in the middle. Well, the resident of this house is walking up the stairs, and he's met by what we now see is to be like a care worker. Mr. Gorsham, what are you doing out of bed at this time of night? It was played by Arabella Weir, who you may recognise from the Far Show. If you ever watched the Far Show in the nineties, she was yeah quite ever present. So anyway, she is playing this stern 
uh, looking and acting care worker, care nurse. And yeah, she's quite stern with him. We, we then see a reveal of other elderly people in like, one room. So it's established now we're, we're at, at a care home, obviously. And we think, oh, what's a bit to let himself in for? He's, he's, let him, he's got inside a residential care home and he doesn't yet know it. We, we see in shot briefly actor Nick Scott. I say an actor, he's, he's not been any, in anything since playing Skull Crusher Henderson in Bottom. If you, for Bottom fans out there, he played well, very much a cameo role, like a hard nut in, in um, Bottom. He was in Mr. Bean as an extra. Uh, also an extra in Falls and Horses. He definitely lived the dream in the 90s, appearing in, in some classic comedies, but yeah. he hasn't done anything since. I don't know why it is some one-off minor roles by actors in, in 90s comedies go on to do nothing further. Not just 90s comedies, but there's a few in Falls and Horses, I think. Um, like, trying, like, if you think like Nick Maloney, who plays two characters in One Foot, Car Mechanic and Locksmith. But he's, oh, yeah, he's a businessman yeah. now, but he doesn't... Is he's he a businessman now, is he? I think he's he's a director of a company or something, yeah. Oh, right. I got Peter to thank for that, who he was on the previous show. He um, helped research that for me, because I I quite like Nick Maloney to come on this show. I'm, that would be great. I'm working on it. But <laughs> he was in an episode uh, of the late 80s, early 90s sitcom Watching, and he was in a Christmas special of that in 1988, I okay. think. And so that he was, was quite a, a sort of big role. He was in, yeah, kids, in the whole episode. a kids' show, Out of Tuned, which I used to watch at the end of school. Um, but anyway, we see another nurse walk down the corridor, played by Melody Brown. She's only appeared, I think she appeared in EastEnders once, and then this and nothing else. So truly, like apart from Arabella, none of them went on to establish themselves as actors. They obviously decided it wasn't their game, but... I think they probably got some great stories to tell, though, of of uh, being in such proximity to so many amazing shows. Yeah, yeah. So there's this care worker called, I think, Rachel. She says night to who we assume is a care home manager. She's dressed differently. She looks like she's in charge. She is called Miss Lander. And notice it's a miss and not a missus. I think mm. that might just show us that she's just some single woman running this massive care home. Well, it's a... It's not as big as um, inner city ones, but she probably she probably didn't marry for a reason, but which we'll find out a little bit later on why she's probably not married because she's probably not the, the best person. That anyway, tends to be the way, isn't it? Is that the uh, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Rather than yeah, char- characters who are uh, who are only mess. They t- if they were misses, you would think. Well, somebody obviously loves yeah. loves them. <laughs> yeah, so she's it's not a, even it's a little bit. It's a little bit discriminatory in a way, but we know why it's there. It's shorthand. Yeah. And but she's not even a Muz. She's not even Muz Lander. Like she's not like no. divorced. But she she's played by Janet Henry. She's quite an established actress, she's a veteran yeah. of, of the of that um career. You know, she is still mm-hmm. with us and she was yeah. in the Omen, the two thousand six like remake, which I watched at the cinema. Pride and Prejudice, oh, right. Lee Miserable. So she's done she is more than established. I think she's yeah, major. I, I wrote down that she was in Jewel of the Nile, Singing Detective, uh, both the old and new Doctor Who, Jeeves and Worcester, Lovejoy, Miss Marple, Worst Week, uh, sorry, Worst Wit Witch, uh, Father Brown, Wolf Fall, The Crown. So she's, she's obviously loads. got around. Yeah, loads. Yeah. But she does 
they cast well with respect to this actress. She does look a bit peculiar and a bit of a sinister woman. She looks like so, something, someone from the Georgian era. I don't know. She just looks, yeah, a bit spooky. Yeah, there's a slight Victorian. She's very austere, isn't she? she you yeah. can imagine her in Oliver Twist as one of the people refusing him more porridge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Very good. Oh, I should point out that I read an interview with the other day from a couple of years ago with The Guardian. She came across really well. So she's obviously a very nice, lovely person. Uh, Relieving she said, to hear. Yeah, she said, uh, you have to be, I've got a quote here. She said, you have to, if you're, a, if you're not obsessed with this profession, you'll never survive. That's what her summation of the acting profession yeah. was. Okay. Uh, which I think is probably reasonable. I think that's you reasonable know, as well. You've got to have a passion for what you yeah. do. Yeah, Especially in yeah. the creative in in the arts industry, that's for sure. But after work away from home a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think mm. it's, it's the same for Richard Wilson. I think he's, I think he's been single most of his life. I, I I don't know about his personal life. I read that he was in a in his twenties. He was uh, he worked in a hospital and he was in a relationship for quite some time with a female doctor. Right. Uh, but since then, he's done uh, work for gay rights. When yeah. he, he didn't really come out in a in a big way, no. but when he did, I was on Facebook at the time, and I I wrote, I don't believe it, <laughs> which is I'm sure I'm not the only one who said that. No, and it was quite but, late. Uh, in, like, that, that interview was only about seven or eight years ago. Yeah, not yeah. that long ago. It was in the seventies. But anyway, back on to the uh, see Miss Landers re- is retrieving some towels and heads to the the bathroom, which Victor's of course in, soaping really? himself down. A very, quite an eerie shadow shot of Miss Lander from behind the curtains as, as Vicar Sharif obviously no clue he, um, she, anyone's there um, I think he just he just thinks obviously it's just someone's house and that's that's the bottom line but anyway I when he comes out of the shower so I originally thought he he just had soapy eyes but he did have to use eye droplets previously so it's feasible that he just wouldn't spot her because he is completely nude obviously come out of the shower He's trying to find his way around the bathroom, obviously trying to find the right towel, and he ends up using a towel that Miss Landers actually holding. <laughs> and he, he turns around, he sort of stands, looks at, you can see her basic reflection in the mirror at this point. So he is a bit of a mix-up, and a um, number of bathroom shenanigan mix-ups. Margaret's mum, where he put... Oh, yeah. He left the chemical solution by the... And she thought it was bath salts or something. And, and Mrs. Warboys in the bath. Sits on Mrs. Warboys in the bath later on in the series. And of course, um, Love and Death, wasn't it? I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, with, the, with, the, um, with the midges yeah. um, accidentally yeah. spraying, thinking they Petra and Marie. Is it Petra That's and right. Marie? Yeah, thought, thought they meant something, you know. I suppose some... it's uh, it's sort of bedroom farce, isn't it? It's that yeah. old perennial um, bathrooms is where. Uh, funny stuff happens, and mm. you, you're most exposed there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but I, it, it, I, I do question though the fact that Victor is having a shower at all, because as far as he's aware, uh, Margaret, Mrs. Warboys, and Mr. Sweeney are waiting for him. That <laughs> and he quite selfishly says, "You know, what? I think I'll have a bite." I mean, what's he going to do next? Have some, have a bit of dinner. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I suppose in his mind is if they're calling the police. He's got five, it doesn't take long to have a shower, five, ten minutes if you rush. Yeah. So yeah. he's only going to be there anyway. So he may as well shower whilst he thinks this resident of this house is going to ring the police. And then he thinks, well, there's no point in me finding my way back because I get lost again. So I may as well stay here, 
until we're rescued. So I, I can sort of see it's quite brave to have a yeah, shower in a strange yeah. house. I admit you might use their toilet or yeah. ask for a glass of water, but maybe sh- shower is the next, <laughs> the next level or the next stage, isn't it? Into um, using someone's facilities. I suppose. Yeah. The, but, I think um, it's funny that uh, the reveal of, um, I forget her name now, Miss what, Miss Lander, the reveal of Miss Lander when he tugs the shower curtain, uh, that, that's brilliant because he's, there's, there obviously, there are two sides of the curtain. He, he, he opens one, then he opens the other, and that's when she's revealed. And it's very funny. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very choreographed funny. marvellously. I don't yes. think, think Richard Wilson was too pleased to film it in the buff. Um, <laughs> but Susie yeah. Belvin said, look, we're, just, we're all behind the camera just yeah. if you just get on with it it will be done quicker because if we give you like skin colored pants or you know if yeah. we try and cover it up it's going to take longer and, and you'll get as an actor impatient so he just went with it to be to give him credit but a flash of his bum i think it's the first nude scene they filmed um in the series at this point there's something funny about seeing, seeing uh, old man ass <laughs> old man ass is always funny it's a bit like it's oh, a little but- bit- it's a it bit is. postcard humour, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it bit is. Benny Hill, that kind it's of a... thing. It's uh... or, or boomer humour, as, as the kids call it. And uh, I'm sorry about the... Um... I'm sorry about the misunderstanding. I'm afraid Mr Gorshin is a little on the hyperactive side. I'll have a quiet word with him when you've gone. Uh, thanks, bye. Miss Land is actually helping Victor establish a route back to the boathouse. It's, she yeah. says it's just a ten-minute walk and... It's all very um, polite. All seems quite calm. Victor apologises, as does Miss Lander, for, you know, for the misunderstanding. And Miss Lander look, sort of looks on in dismay. You know, after well, yeah, there's with... a bit of weariness about her by this point, isn't there? Yeah, like, uh... like embarrassment's been brought, being brought on to her, because not only because they, they've let a stranger in, but because she was about to have a shower and had to face a, a nude Victor, a nude man. So she's probably double annoyed at this yeah, point. Do you th- do you think she may be relieved that this person hasn't uncovered the vile things that are going on? She probably is relieved, but she all, she, she probably knows that this elderly chap. The thing is, with the, with the abuse side of things, is especially especially if it's like a dementia home or just vulnerable mm. people who are held against their will, who are told if you say anything, you know, bad things will happen. So mm. they've either got that in their mind, the luxury of them, they won't they just won't say anything because they won't be able to articulate yeah. the words or they won't be able to they won't be believed right. or they're just worried about the consequences, so they just won't say anything to it might still go through her head, like, oh crap, what they say something. But this is where this this classic comedy is, you know, like such as One from the Grave, it does take a back seat for a minute, like the comedy size, and we'll see mm. the drama, sort of horror show unfold from here because the scene I, I have here has been cut which I think is ridiculous but the, the, there's some horrific abuse of that poor, poor chap he doesn't want to go to sleep in his depressing looking bedroom which is really dated even for 93 he he doesn't want to go into his bed because he brings him nightmares and Sonia, you can understand that mm. you can understand that you, you know the, the nurse should be reading a book to him or something like that oh you think settled yeah you think but Sonia, the care worker played by Arabella, where she is, she's trying to drag him by the arm into the bed. Miss Lander um, walks in and she sort of steps on the, the smashed sedative medication equipment, which is only going to rile her up even more. She slaps him around the, the face, a, a backhander, which is horrible. And he, he refers to him as a stupid old fool to get up because he's on the floor at this point. Sonia sort of concurs and kicks him twice 
and this is the, this is the scene which uh, did cause a lot of complaints. And at the end of the episode, we will summarize things, but I, I just want to summarize how it's ridiculous to complain about is that there's it's clearly a message trying to be delivered by Renwick by this show. So to cut out this is quite graphic, you know, for a comedy, it's ridiculous because you won't get the full context or you won't be able to uh, empathize as much because you need to see mm. this horrific side of things. But anyway, yes, definitely horrible scene it, it's a lot of reruns they seem to cut it now probably if, if they show it before 9 p.m watershed i think it's just a probably... moment though isn't it it's just a moment the only bizarre bit of that production that takes away like the severity of when he gets hit is the punch the sound effect of the punch is like cartoon sort of sound it's like one you'd probably hear if you watch bottom when they're forever yeah. fighting you hear this like comical sound effects they use that and it just didn't sound right to me but um Meanwhile, Victor's outside, just come to the end of like the driveway to the fence when he realises, oh, he's, he's forgotten his watch. Perfect excuse now, from a writing point of view. He needs to go back in. And he can before he even rings the doorbell, he can hear some commotion. He's spying through the... Uh, um, letterbox. Letterbox. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, no. no, I know what you mean. Sorry. What is he okay. seeing then? What, 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 what's Victor seeing through the letterbox? Well, he's seeing this, uh, the lady and the elderly gentleman being, being uh, carted down the stairs and manhandled into the understairs cupboard. We actually see just the gentleman, but a lady comes out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. not only are they dragging this poor guy into a hatch, essentially, under the stairs, yeah. they've already got someone in there, an elderly lady. Um, and who knows how long she's been in there? Who knows? Yeah. I think at this point, Victor is, he's come up with a plan instantly. He's got like a bit of, like a coat hanger wire. I don't know where he's got it from. And he's trying to hook the door. But the care workers look like they're downing tools for the night and they're watching TV and drinking whiskey. And Nick Scott, who's one of the carers, is not, we've only seen a, seen a snippet of him. Funnily enough, they're actually watching Bottom because you can clearly hear Rick Mail. Yeah, I, think... I, I heard that on the uh, commentary. Could you tell, could you, just by watching it? I could tell because I love Bottom, but he, he appears ah. in an episode called Doe. That would have come a couple of years later. Little oh, did right. he know at the time that he'd be, he was watching a series he would star in, in a very <laughs> small role, but quite prominent all the same. If you used to watch it, his character has spoken off a lot in that episode, but you only see him for a few seconds at the end of the episode um, yeah i know what you mean it's that sometimes happens doesn't it when you've uh, a character who is uh, like grousey in porridge he's oh not yeah mentioned much. Not many, he, he's mentioned a great deal but you don't see him so much is what i mean no yeah. he's in very few few episodes Funny. isn't he well victor manages to prize open the latch it's, it is helpful that they're watching the tv quite a loud volume so mm. no it's a large living space they're not going to see the door open in there from the angle of where they're sat and it's loud audio from the tv so he, it's going his way at the moment mm -hmm. he straight away goes to the staircase and he releases the two elderly abused people who look so vulnerable so sad yeah. like it's hard not to like feel mournful for their situation because Definitely, we've yeah. all got at some point most of us have had relatives obviously elderly relatives but some have been in care homes and um i, th yeah, just I think of course I think also the uh, the gentleman who plays Mr. Gorshin, he looks he's, he looks like such a lovely old man. Mm. Uh, 
he doesn't uh, he, he, lo- he looks like this wonderfully whimsical kind of gentle guy if he was um if he was more stockier or taller it yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't look so uh tender delicate i know what you, know, you mean but i i just thought but, of a a moment that it's only really happened once in my life where in the moment I could have like shed a tear through sadness, but for quite a few years ago, I was walking in my local town and this is really tall. This is, it was an elderly couple. They looked late eighties, early nineties. And the chap was huge. He's really tall, but skinny and it was icy conditions and they both slipped over and they both banged their head right in front of me oh as goodness. I walked past them. What was so sweet. I feel well up. I feel like I'm well up just talking yeah. about this brief anecdote, but he didn't, see to himself he went straight he was more interested in his wife and helping her up yeah. he, he banged his head from from what i witnessed a lot harder than she i didn't think she banged her head she just slipped up which is painful enough but he slipped up and banged his head he was just more interested in making sure she was okay i was just so sweet and i obviously yeah. i stopped and really wanted to help but quite resilient they just got up and got, got on with it and there's another passerby who offered to you know, call for help an ambulance yeah, whatever yeah. but they yeah, yeah, I was just sad. I I think I might have shed a tear to myself. I thought it was so sweet. Yeah, really sad. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I'm sure they were fine, but when you're like late 80s, early 90s, if you fall over and bang your head, that's serious consequences long term. Oh, it is. Yeah. The, you know, and he, it was a bloody cold day. I just remember it quite clearly. About it must be about ten years ago or so, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Really sad. But Victor shushes them, the couple. Well, they're not a couple, but. Uh, the gentleman yeah, and the lady yeah. he's essentially going to rescue them it's, it's really sweet it looks like the the night has moved on quite a lot as the, the care workers are clearly knackered and as they as they're quite relaxed they are interrupted by lots of loud banging lots of pro like noises of protests from the elderly folk they're all banging like it rem- actually just come to think of it it's a bit like the clap for care workers kind of um banging <laughs> their saucepans um yeah that's what reminded me of Yes. Uh, we're not in favour of these particular health professionals in this episode. No, we're not clapping for this care home, are we? No, Definitely no. not. But they look like they're having loads of fun in there. It's quite clever how in real time, it might have been a half an hour's past because Victor's got to coordinate this, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Does the staff immediately, they all go and check. They all When they go and check in on the, where the noises come from, all the residents are miraculously in bed, yeah. asleep. I don't know what's happened there. I don't know if like some have slept in another room making all the noise to make it sound like it's coming from that room. I know it's a big house and there's like probably a few flights of stairs, but they managed to get into bed quickly, turn the lights off, so I, they did well there. Yeah, uh, Renwick said in the commentary, he described it as surreal. <laughs> No, I, I uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but because I would imagine at that age, you would be quite slow and stiff moving. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, it, it kind of works, I suppose. It's, it, we, we'll give him a pass for that. We'll give him a pass. Well, we see quite an artsy close up shot of the glasses of whiskey with the ice melting. And we think, what's, I, I remember thinking, what is the purpose of this? We will know what the purpose of that is in a moment. Yeah, but Victor's walking down the corridor, so he's just freely walking down the corridor. He's not trying to hide or anything. He bumps into Miss Lander, who obviously jumps out of her skin because that's the <laughs> last person she expects to see. Oh, sorry, I very nearly forgot. Nearly forgot what? I very nearly forgot to call you an evil, loathsome bastard. the way you treat these people, and I shall be calling the social services department first thing in the morning to tell them about the sickening brutality that goes on around here in the name of geriatric care. I have to look after the welfare of all my residents, not just one or two. You haven't the first understanding of the way their minds work or the destructive behaviour they're capable of. I'm sorry. 
what language are you talking in now? It appears to be bollocks. <laughs> and yeah, calling her an evil, loathsome bastard, she's utterly stunned because someone's standing up to her, which is yeah, like, yeah. it's like a win. And it's like, yes, well done, Victor. Like, you know, he's really on one now. Very brave of him. He says he'd be calling the social services first thing. I don't know why he wouldn't call them straight away. I think, I don't know what it was like in the 90s, but if you want to call social services, Bit almost like the police, you could probably get them on 24 7, but mm. I guess I don't know. He maybe needs to get home first, doesn't need to make the call, but you obviously can use their landline. But, um, yeah, we know the police yeah. will make or get involved eventually. Miss Landis just trying to justify things, isn't she? She's like, I'm, I've got to look out for the welfare of all the residents, not just two. Quite rightly, Victor, this is a classic quote. What language are you talking now? It appears to be bollocks. We ain't word. We haven't heard bollocks used at all yet. So somehow she's justifying this mistreatment on what Victor's seen as it's fine because there's loads of them I've got to look after. And if they're playing up, I've got a dream like this to keep them in line because 20 of them and three or four of us, it's ridiculous. Victor, obviously, yeah, he, he's, he's saying what we all want, what we'd love to say. Miss Lander tries to call for backup, Sonia Martin in particular, and he points out, well, actually, they're asleep. He's put half a dozen Valium in each drink which is why we had the close-up of the whiskey glasses shots mm. and the ice melting so he spiked their drinks to make sure that his plan isn't interfered with or he's not you know dragged out of the house because let's face it if victor couldn't take them all on a bit like the the fallouts in the car in the country lane at the mm. start he wouldn't be able to no not many of us could could we unless we're oh, no. bloody double hard he wouldn't be able to take them on so it's quite i don't know if this is obviously not exactly legal to spike someone's drink but he's got he has to do something so I think he's willing to basically. I don't. It's a. It's certainly a criminal offence now. But whether it would have been in '93. Well, I don't think anybody probably... would have found out. Really, they would have. Because uh, as far as the staff are concerned, they just fell asleep. I suppose Miss Lander is the only person who is aware of it. But I suppose she's got more pressing things to worry about than True. the legality True. of done. They'd certainly be able to find it in their systems if they had to check. But they obviously, well, they that's if they no to, to check. There'd be no reason to check. Yeah, good point. Well, Miss Lander threatens Victor with reporting him to the police as an, like, an, an aged pervert who broke <laughs> into the bathroom, yeah. exposing himself. It's like, that's kind of true, but he wasn't exposing himself on purpose. She's just playing no. the game, isn't she? She's like, Yeah, well, she's twisting do... it. Yeah, she's, she's being um, devious. She's um, giving him... Uh, it's a recrimination, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. uh, she wants to turn it into more of a he said, she said thing, bring some, some ambiguity to it. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Which is yeah, a she, defense, she, she, she is on the defensive. And as she is sort of ranting to Victor, Victor's plan is working perfectly because in the background we see a resident with a rather large syringe <laughs> and she stabs Miss Lander presumably in the backside or whatever and Miss Lander lets out it's, it, it was it did scare me as a boy watching this so I'd have been like watching this back I'd have been seven eight nine she's like lets yes. out this horrific loud scream she looks weird that actress looks spooky <laughs> so she's got this horrified look on her face and it's all like hazy and fuzzy yeah, imagery yeah. because obviously she's drugged and Victor's giving this kind of creepy smile as well like it's very out of character yeah. And then the others behind her. Yeah. Uh, or wherever they come from, because the corridor is suddenly crowded, which is a little odd. I think uh, it's just to, to like, sort of say that, you know, as she's drugged, yeah. these things are happening at weird times, like, oh, out of nowhere, so all these, yeah. all these residents. But it might have, in real time, taken a good few minutes for them to gather, but it's like a few seconds, isn't it, like you say? It's, 
it's not particular seeing it blurred and everything is not particularly flattering to the actors involved because they all no. they don't they don't look great but no. it is um it does get to, it does show to us that they are victorious yes. and uh, they, they've got a, they've got a great anymore. win yeah. they, 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 it's a massive gamble for them because they're relying on this stranger victor to to, to be the hero of the night they've got to really hope that he follows up with his will to get them arrested and taking them out of their care because if this plan doesn't succeed and they all you know once they're all conscious again boy those those residents are in for a tough old ride and then the security the security would be ramped up because there's no way they're going to let visitors just wander in again like that they'll have proper locks this time for example yeah i i I don't think they're thinking about it that deeply i think there is a sort of uh schoolboy mis- mischievousness about that's it. true that i think if they've got yeah, de- if they've got forms of dementia or they're yeah i'm not assuming they've all got dementia no or, no no all, of but course not. they might not think that far ahead admittedly yeah but, it's they're just doing something like the bash street kids in the beano would do or yeah. just william it's that kind of thing isn't it yeah it's, well uh, the staff are all like huddled together spark out i think they're out outdoors and Victor's he's left now and he's just he's, he's shaking the hand of the elderly man I don't think you have any more trouble with him tonight but keep the door locked I'll make sure there's someone around first thing did you realise that's like the same line used when Miss Lander did when she locked them under the stairs she said <gasps> wow really um, we won't have any more trouble from those two tonight wow so obviously Victor's used that line I don't know if he heard he must have heard that subconsciously used it against a bit of poetic justice if you think yeah that's a good point i never noticed that in all my years of watching it um yeah that's good it's it's renwick uh has full circle as yeah it's full circle Almost. they have now got their just desserts yeah uh and it ties into that earlier scene that's that's very uh that's very clever yeah well victor wanders away from the house and he sort of looks back on the care staff out of nowhere mr swaney approaches victor mr mildred <laughs> Where did you come from? Well, I managed to get the van started in the end, bypassed the ignition. I just dropped the ladies off at the car, then I came back to look for you. What's been going on? No, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, do we have four more bags of cement in there, by any chance? <laughs> sort of last thing at night makes obviously makes Victor jump, a bit like how he made Miss Lander jump. He's done what we all probably thought when we watched this back, with regards to this Mr. Swain is. He's, he's basically hot-wired the van and got it going so why they didn't try that earlier i don't know um, quite tricksy uh mr swain isn't he quite cunning yeah. that he's sort of that <laughs> but yeah well the boy scout mentality maybe they, yeah. they, they learn how to start a vehicle you know without the keys but maybe um, he has a uh a, a past that we don't know about a juvenile delinquency <laughs> yeah, maybe and then he, he sort of repenting all his sins and he wanted to be the good guy and, and not get himself in any sort of trouble but he's in a roundabout way he's been a bit of a hero himself trying to find victor in the middle of the night um, yeah I, a couple of things which occur to me with that scene first of all um how did victor get all of those uh staff members outside particularly that quite burly man uh i did whatever right. i picture it whatever i picture as one of the other uh elderly gentleman uh helping him i, <laughs> I find that a funny image <laughs> you know i, I think through, to... i think through the amount of um adrenaline rushing through your body will probably get you through that it's not impossible for victor who was only about 62 at yeah. this point he's not overweight and he's not mr muscle no. 
but I think even if a few of the residents took a, a limb each, two carried one leg, another two carried another leg, and he took like the big guy by the arms, I think it's doable. He just had to drag him yeah. up, and he? he hasn't got a care. Exactly, yeah. I drag like... him downstairs. Gravity would do most of exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see it, yeah. But also... they, they, the, the, the staff were already, apart from Miss Lander, the staff were already downstairs ground floor level near the front door so he didn't have that far to take oh really is that where they were because Ah, when they went back do you know the whiskey glass shot that's after the noise they heard they went back to the telly and the telly is not far from the from what we from what i can make out the victor asks if the van's got any more bags of cement he's come up with a plan like this is why i think this is a last minute plan because he's the last person he expected was mr swaney to turn up oh definitely yeah so he's thinking he was. He just wanted to get all the staff out and uh, be, uh, with a with a locked door between them and the residents. Yeah, uh, but the, if, I feel like if they did wake up before anyone arrived the next day, it's a bit of a risk. I, I'd be like, let's get the police out now, kind of thing. But anyway, he comes up with a, a marvelous plan. We don't really know what it is at the moment, but the next day is very bright and sunny. Well, there's certainly evidence of some shocking mistreatment. No question about that. Biggest question of all is what happened to the staff. Where did they all vanish to suddenly? Can't get any sense out of the residence. So some story about a mystery man who appeared from nowhere in the middle of the night, like the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I expect they all got the wind up. Decided to make a run for it before we got here. I suppose that's it, yes. OK, Sergeant, all yours for statements. Uh, we see some officials walk out of the home, uh, and in shot is actor Seymour Matthews. I love how he says that, like the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Well, Seymour Matthews, he was the auctioneer in Fools and Horses in the oh, Time in Our Hands. He just, yeah. As soon as he sp- like spoke, you know, when he goes, yeah. four million pounds, you know, well, you can just right. recognise well, it. Well, I, I, I did see, you're right there, you're so right, I didn't realise that. I did watch that scene uh, with him playing a doctor, I think, at the very end of that episode, Heart of Darkness, and I... Uh, uh, he, he did really well because he sounded really quite naturalistic. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm always impressed with actors, despite the yeah. fact that, you know, that's their profession. Yeah. yeah. But he managed to make it. He was, uh, uh, I really believed him in that role. And uh, maybe I'm just easily pleased. No, but, no, no. Uh, well, but I, thought. I, I just wonder if it's so sunny. I wonder if, like, the police, this, all this that's happening throughout the night, we don't know really what time it is. So, because I, I thought, it's very risky for the police to like wait till the very next morning. It could be like dawn rise and everything that we've seen might have happened at early hours of the the morning because Victor's been on this long walk to find rescue and he's had the shower, he's had all this experience. It might have gone on for it. That everything we've seen, obviously not real time, might have taken ages. So I'm just trying to establish why it's taken until the next morning for the police to arrive. But anyway, they, the police are there and officials and stuff. And another official, you can hear them say, oh, regarding where the staff, they speculate they probably made a run for it, which I wonder yeah. if you could do back then. I've seen now, like, care homes are like, properly registered and you've got the DBS checks so that you could be trapped. But I wonder if back in 93 you, you could get away with them. Um, if you're on the run, well, could you be it, trapped? I don't know. It's a I private care home. It's not like... Yeah, maybe they'd given it a go. They may, they may not have got anywhere. But uh, the, the the bit where Nick comes up behind Victor, uh, sorry for going right. back to that. Go back with it, yeah. It it does. Um, uh, I'm slightly surprised 
that Mr. Sweeney uh, kind of guessed where Victor would be. Uh, Good I point. Suppose he, I suppose it's the nearest place, and so he would say, yeah, he's probably gone over there. He might, and, have, uh, he might have tracked. He might have good tracking skills. And well, he, weren't, what, he didn't have earlier, did he? <laughs> he went no, the true. <laughs> but it might have taken him bloody hours. Like at this point, Margaret, sorry, Margaret and Mrs. Warboys, well, they obviously, drew, they obviously drove to find, like, it's not like he had to walk, sorry, walk through woodlands, but they obviously, yeah, he's, a lot he's of driving, he, and at, at night, that house. He took them back to the car. It sticks out a mile. Like, if you see a house like that in the middle of nowhere with lights on, you probably would see it from a quite a far. So they might have, yeah. they might have, for we know, dropped in on different houses in the area, and eventually <laughs> he, fi- he finds Victor. <laughs> But that, that's a, that's a spin-off show waiting to happen. Just yeah. Nick Sweeney going around all these different houses. Uh, yeah, that's the, the we come to this scarecrow bit. I suppose. Well, this is the thing. So when when they when the officials drive the officials drive off, like I don't know if they're social workers or just part of the police force, they're just down as officials. When they drive off and they're speculating where the staff have gone, we see a very long shot of four scarecrows in the background yelling out for help. And of course, they've they've been the cement bags have come into good use because they've been they've been locked down yeah, into yeah. this cement bag. So they're not that far away. I it's thought quite, that they're not that far yeah. away. But when you watch this as a well, when I first watched, it, I thought, blimey, who's going to notice that? They're going to think there's just four scarecrows. But of course, they are shouting out, and there are police still present in the little police metro car. I can't believe you use metros. So how they, they will obviously eventually hear them, but I used to think, oh, they're going to be like that there until they die of starvation. But yeah, they yeah. will be hit. Passerbyers will see them, of course, and especially I, the police. It's I just they've been there all night, I suppose. If the, if, if, uh, the One Foot production team had put them in the next field, we wouldn't have noticed them so much. We would have just thought they were background. But... Uh, True. I suppose that's it. But I do, I do agree what you mean. I, 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 I was watching the episode earlier. I said to Dad, "How could they, surely they must, <laughs> they must be heard?" But uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's a prank I played on them. It, it's given them a taste of their own medicine, being yeah in a place they don't want to be in, stranded, and scared them. They're going to be there long enough for the police to know, so then the police can arrest them. So actually, Victor needed to keep them in one place, scare them, and then be yeah. found out by the police because. That official did speculate they probably ran off. So Victor probably thought they might wake up and run away. So I need to keep them in one place. So actually, it makes sense yeah. to keep them relatively nearby. I wonder if they if they realise that if they if the if they do catch the police's attention, they will be arrested and tried and convicted and imprisoned and all the rest of it. Well, yes, yeah, well, basically what I think. You know, I think he doesn't want them too far away. He wants no, no. them to be sent to prison. Yeah, he wants them to have a little bit of. Um, pain and torture before they get caught he doesn't want them to run away no no of course not it's it's quite a, it's a good ending it's a clever ending in that it brings together the scarecrow who we saw which he saw earlier yeah and those uh sacks uh of cements because that sack of cement is part of that earlier part of the episode which seems really long ago now yeah uh and so it's uh it's 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 a brilliant how he man how renwick brought those two threads together victor's probably pleased that he experienced that a bit of pain because it, it gave him the idea to yeah yeah same. It, 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 the episode is like it's more like it's like an adventure this episode it's uh, i mean i, I yeah it's I, I understand why some people didn't like it and 
they had to and uh, Red, when Rick had to go on some sort of TV show to yes. uh, fight back. Explain, right? Yeah, but it, it it is quite um a fun episode in that they get their just desserts. But it's also curious because it's uh, you don't see Margaret for the whole second half, which is yeah, quite yeah, rare. I just that's a good point actually. When the when the cars drive away and we we see that the scarecrows, four carers, or the manager and the three carers, yeah, we we see the opposite of what we saw at the start, where the bunny rabbit, live bunny rabbit, is now out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Toy bunny rabbit's in, so it's quite mm-hmm. a nice message being delivered there. Like yeah, yeah, playful, but. The fact is, they're liberated. Uh, they've liberated the residents. Bunny rabbits liberated. Although furry animals, pets, domestic pets do live in cages. Whether you know whether it's you agree with it or not, it's just happening. Think, but it's nice that the little bunny was free to roam in their yeah. little countryside cottage garden. I think the rabbit was just pleased to appear in an episode of One Foot in the Grave, and he didn't die or mutilated oh. or anything like that. Do you know what? That is a f- that, out of all the observations we discussed, that one is the most fascinating because, yeah, an animal didn't die, which is a first and maybe a last. Brilliant. Yeah, good point. I think I think, uh, I think D- D- Denzel, the Patrick and Pippa's dog, he didn't die, but he's probably no. the only the but only to, one. But but in to date. Yeah, it's yeah. The first, well, probably the first animal that survived, or not been referenced as already dead, or yeah, good point. But that that's that's the end of the episode. I mean, that's I know, yeah. Bananas. That's um, a lot of people's favourites. I think. I think. Did you say this is one of? Is that, oh is yeah, it your top three. It's definitely in my top three. I think it's an, a remarkable piece of work. It's it's very atypical for an episode of One Foot in the Grave because you it's, you don't see their home, uh, yeah. which is really. It's uh, unusual. You don't in, yeah, you don't see it in one foot in the old car, but I don't think. But uh, even so, it's it's really quite. And there's rearranging the dust. Quite, oh yes, again, yeah, very good. Yeah, it's quite. Just uh, despite the the, the 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 little drama parts of it, it is quite an uplifting episode in that he triumphs at the end. There is no. Um, the one thing I dislike. I think probably the only thing I, I sometimes dislike about the show is that it can sometimes be really uh, pessimistic, uh, almost ruthlessly so. Richard Wilson felt the same because he, he felt the shift in comedy to seriousness was a, too much of a leap. I mean, there's lots of complaints about the violence towards the residents, which I just thought, that's the bloody point in it. How is the message <laughs> supposed to get across? Yeah. You know, it, plus his acting, but... Yeah, you know, Renwick did say like the best way to use comedy sometimes is to send a message of hope, and he you know he makes a good point that basically people didn't like the horrific scenes as their mindset is comedy when watching this. Like yeah, it's safe, yeah. it's one of the greatest like a safe bet with some surrealism trapped in. These same people that complain would watch a drama, and they probably wouldn't respond in the same way because obviously they're tuned into that it's a drama. So yeah. it's a bit like when they complained about the cat in the in the fridge or the, in the freezer. It's not a real yeah. cat. Clearly, no, and not. also, um, it's it's nothing more than distasteful. But that's comedy. There should be no limits, yeah. in my view. Richard Wilson said in 2013, "You really can't do comedy," he said, "unless there's some darkness, some reality there too." Hundred mm, uh, percent. I think that's right. Hundred percent. Although, I think there are the, the, uh, more distressing episodes or parts of episodes of One Foot in the Grave. For example, uh, the one which re- which always used to get me was the episode Who Will Buy with the elderly man who gets... Oh, yeah, uh, he gets murdered. Yeah, he gets burgled and murdered uh, because he bought those 
dinosaurs, dinosaurs instead. Yeah. Bendy dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. Go and, on, uh, you try that. Every which yeah. way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, and also the fact he's blind and uh, he, has pa- he has grandchildren who he doesn't see except from oh. living in Australia. Yeah. I can't watch that episode. It's, it's just so distressing to me. Um, also, there is uh, Dreamland. Uh, the, the, which an episode which doesn't sit well with me at all when Margaret disappears. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I get, without... I get where you're coming from. I, I, I do get. Where you, I mean, I think for the comeuppance of in this episode, for the comeuppance of the staff to have that comeuppance against the staff, sorry, yeah. it wasn't. I think, in my view, it was definitely necessary to see that initial abuse because know, for the writing yeah. element and for the all-round definitely. satisfaction. I, I just wonder what first-time viewers make of this if they don't see the full graphic nature of the abuse they can obviously have a picture painted in their minds of what abuse they're experiencing but if they don't see the old man getting hit and kicked and them both dragged into under the stairs what the hell are they watching they're just watching some stern care home manager being a bit of a bitch basically and that's it Uh, i I think the are you referring to them cutting the scene slightly well i Uh, I, i've read that they've made cuts they had they've restored them now but yeah. For a while, they'd make they they cut a lot of the abuse out. I I think the uh, it I don't goes know what back to extent. To, no, I don't think it was a great deal. I think it was probably just a couple of seconds. That was my uh, was impression. Okay. Uh, but the uh, it it really goes back to murder mysteries and things like that because you need to see somebody murdered in order to see the the person yeah. who did it. Hundred percent. It's like when you watch uh, an episode or a film a film say yeah and it's really quite uncomfortable sometimes and you just have to tell yourself well the, you know the, the reason this this bully of a character is being horrible to these people is we will now plump for the uh support the, the goodie and we will be pleased when the bad guy gets his comeuppance yeah yeah uh, i i think it would be um when i was when i first saw this episode i was about nine uh, I think I was slightly unnerved by it, but I wasn't unduly distressed. I did go on to watch the the, the rest of the series in the mm. same sitting. But um, there's no comedy did... like this. Is like Falls and no. is, is amazing, and, it, and that touches on dark moments. But there's there's not the element of surrealism that One Foot has. This is this is no. a weird comedy at times, isn't it? Yeah, in One Foot, in Only Falls and Horses, it's more to do with when Granddad dies or. Rodney and Cassandra suffer a miscarriage, tragic miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's more to do with the characters' lives, whereas mm. this is more about incidents happening in the wider world. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it does seem uh, incongruous when compared to the beginning of the episode, but that was the point. There's one way of basically with that first 15 minutes, we got half an hour's worth because when you consider the montage. Uh, which opened the episode, we do get about a, um, a pr- probably a half hour episode's worth of material just condensed. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, and then obviously it takes quite a, uh, a sinister turn, but it is in the in the vein of the gothic horror which uh, Renwick seems to enjoy so much. Mm. Uh, and particularly the and it's it's no surprise to see that he went on to do Jonathan Creek, which is an amazing show oh, in its own just right. Absolutely adore Creek. It absolutely is. Adore it. And there's you a good do. Jonathan Creek podcast out there by Jerry and Ian. Um, ah, brilliant. Jonathan Creek podcast. They're very good. I'll give them a shout out. Do you know this episode was aired? Didn't know this. 14th of February, Valentine's Day, 93. <laughs> it's the least romantic. I mean, obviously, probably just how it was scheduled, but 
I was trying to look for a, like a little secret Easter egg. I thought, hmm, Mrs. Warboys and Victor, like unintentional closeness, literally glued together by cement. Victor looking out for his welfare with just as little as the her dress being ripped and whatever. Yeah, I, I just thought I, I thought it was funny. I, I don't know what episode would be a, of One Foot the Grave would be appropriate for uh, Valentine's Day because <laughs> they're all pretty. I can't think of the top of my head. I'm sure someone no, can get no. in touch with, with me. One for the podcast at gmail.com. Just drop me an email or yeah. a tweet and just say what episode of One Foot in the Grave <laughs> could you relate? Even if this is the scene so that's reminiscent of Valentine's. I mean, they have some moments where they, I think it is uh, Descent into the Maelstrom, where Margaret realizes that Victor was protecting Margaret's feelings where her pretend daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah, or the, the yeah. girl she's look out for was basically a thief, and she gave him a nice you know, kiss and cuddle and recognition. But I can't think of anything. Um, also, I just also so Mr. Gorshin, who is the gentleman who you see at the start opening the, yeah. door, the door, is played by Bill Gavin. Sadly, died in December '95 at age 80, so it was only like a year oh, or so right. later. He played one a bit like Nick Scott. He yeah. was in a couple. He was obviously a seasoned actor himself, but he was also in one-offs like Two Point Four Children. If you watch that in the nineties, Barbara, which is, I like Barbara. Do you like Barbara? My my grandparents absolutely loved right. it. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's one of those right. brilliant studio sitcoms where you really do feel involved, and it's just warming and it's just silly. Yeah, um, he was never going to win like no, you know, it's not a classic. Awards. But knowing that my, I think I can just hear my grand giggling at it and it's that's good <laughs> enough for me it, it, it wins yeah. wins me over he was in i just want to see what else he was in i just want to know if he was that actor was in loads of stuff but the old lady under the stairs she played mrs baker in the jolly boys outing no in the um it wasn't the villa ballad the other no. one the other yeah hotel. oh right okay and that actress she her character name is mrs endicott which you don't actually hear from the no, no. cut I saw. She's played play by Catherine Page. She passed away, actually. And I suppose the, 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 there were lots of old people in that episode. I suppose it was coming towards the end of their yeah. career. It's remarkable how long-lived uh, Richard Wilson himself is. But then, of course, he was quite young at the time. Well, yeah, I mean, just to I correct myself. quite young. To correct myself, I mean, Catherine Page passed away 2003-94 in Bristol, near where wow. I am. I was thinking about earlier, the whole cast are still alive. You've got yeah, Eric, Angus Deaton, yeah, Janine yeah, yeah. Dovitsky, Dory Mantle, who they're all getting on a bit, you know, Richard Wilson and Annette Crosby in the mid mid eighties now. And yeah, they're all and, and of course Owen Brenman. Owen Brenham, thank you. Yeah. He's, he, Owen oh, Brenham's still he's with us. Well. Yeah. I love Owen Brenman. It's uh you, you, you know um I, I think that could be part of the appeal of of uh, One Foot the Grave is that Victor and Margaret aren't exactly in their dotage. No, they're really they, they're kind of old, but they've they, they're uh, I say old. I mean crossroads they, they almost. In, yeah, in, in yeah. middle age. Yeah, they, they've just managed to cross over the threshold into 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 old age. They're not sort of they're not like it's not like Last of the Summer Wine. Uh, just before it finished, when they were cl- everybody was clearly, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> that side of the, the age bracket. Yeah, but in you this day, something to give. In in this day and age, I mean, being sixty, very cliche, is the new fifty. Like, yeah, in back then, I think you 
you kind of re- you you almost retired in your mind as an 80 year old rather than a 65 year old or whatever you 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 think you're past it or you you yeah you're quite defiant still but you basically give up that's how it's portrayed anyway in, in the early yeah. 90s and though he is quite sprightly and he's you know he doesn't have to put up with or endure any of the uh anything like having a walking stick or or anything yeah. like that so he's really a bit hard on himself victor in that he thinks he's got one foot in the grave uh when he doesn't the i, I know we said earlier about the animals dying but um i think one i don't think the uh the theme is really animals dying so much as death itself because victor always seems to think that he's only a few years away from death even though he's not uh it seems everybody the amount of people and things who die in off at the grave is unreal you look mm. at them when he went to uh buy those shoes and there was a man a corpse in the, in the chair the least you thing know. you expect yeah i yeah, think every, uh, it follows him he does i mean going back um richard weber's one in the grave manual always really that I think he wrote Whoops Apocalypse. I think Richard yeah. Wilson starred in that. And um, the reason why I mentioned that is because obviously Richard Wilson had to bear his backside in this and he was a little bit wary <laughs> about it. And he, he would tease Roamwick and say, no, he just wants to stay at my bottom. And he did the same thing in Whoops Apocalypse. I think, I haven't seen Whoops Apocalypse, but uh, Richard Wilson had, had, some, he had, to had some writing on his buttocks. And oh, right. Renwick being sort of very particular and perfectionist he, he felt he had to write what had to be written on Richard Wilson's buttocks himself and back I then goodness. he was teasing him so oh, I just want to so there's a bit of playful banter yeah. there <laughs> uh one thing which uh hasn't been mentioned during the run of this podcast although it doesn't really need to be mentioned is the uh novel which David Remick wrote uh in 92 I think right it's he wrote a, a novel based on one, one foot in the grave uh and it's i've read it a couple of times yeah uh it's it's slightly it's slightly depressing reading uh victor's trials and tribulations uh in prose form because mm. obviously you don't have that that you don't have the audience laughter and the warmth that tends to convey but it is an interesting read if you come across it in a charity yeah. shop or whatever yeah i mean the richard webber books loads of um amazing references from renwick himself and susie belbin but I can't say I've, I've read the One Foot in the Grave novel by David Renwick. Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically uh, brief. Just briefly, it's uh, it's a novelization of the first series with a bit of the second. Oh, that's clever. Uh, yeah, I think I heard. I, think I, I heard word of this, but it's something I never got my hands on. I think I just yeah. on eBay now. It's um. It's not a must see, but if you if you, if if you ever do find it, it's probably worth an hour or two, you know. Yeah, I can see it's there's only a wow. Yeah, that you can buy them. I can see you can. Yeah, the one from the grave. Okay, so it's almost like a black and white imagery of yeah, them. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, and started, I recognize. I recognize. It's not something I've owned, but I do recognize that book. But yeah. I haven't read it, so it's maybe something I should get my teeth into. The yeah, most good, rec- good recommendation. Top- Probably the most interesting thing about it is that um, it talks uh, at length about their son Stuart. Uh, oh, okay. Basically, all that was said is that Stuart had a, I think he had a heart defect. And uh, a, cu- a couple of days after, his, after Margaret gave birth to him, he was unfortunately kidnapped by somebody who was quite mentally unstable. Bloody uh, hell, I didn't know that. And, uh, 
and then he was brought, uh, and then he, he was returned to them, but because of his illness, he died. Now, Renwick used this uh, plot in uh, Descent, Descent into the Maelstrom, uh, when there was a baby who was uh, yeah. kidnapped by yeah. uh, Helen Lederer's character. Yes. Uh, and so, but I, 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 I don't really... Uh, um, I, prefer like be, the... I prefer it being a mystery. Yeah. Way. But what that's you what you said there. It's great to have guests on like you that have this knowledge. I, I haven't read that book. I don't know that the, those details. I'm sure people out there have read it as well and, and, and can um, shed further light. But that's... that's... I, I don't really like it though that that their son Stuart uh, endured so much in such a short life. It mm. comes across as quite contrived. Uh, yeah. It was like Renwick had wanted to do the a child kidnap and a uh, child illness and, and sort of welded the two together. And it just seems a bit clumsy. I would have preferred it if Stuart had just been born. Had a well, obviously I don't prefer it. <laughs> it's no. tragic, but if um, you know some some ideas uh shouldn't be shouldn't coalesce because it's just a bit too crowded it makes things a bit uh too too busy but, i know what you uh, mean but uh, it's it's sometimes it's better left to the imagination which with a lot of the content in yeah. one from the grave is be best to leave to imagination um like what happened to the staff in uh, this care home presumably yeah. arrested but there's loads of other examples i could give but that's, that's in, like you that's something i'm gonna have to ask for um well, I've had my birthday, so I'll have to wait for Christmas. I could just <laughs> buy it, I suppose, but it might be nice to... Uh, that seems like a collectible as well. So, yeah, that's good. I mean... I, I do yeah. agree with you, though, by saying that it's... Uh, some things are best left to the imagination. Hemingway called it... Uh, ice, um, I was going to say ice cream theory then. <laughs> iceberg theory. <laughs> yeah. Iceberg theory, which is just to, to sort of gently hint at something. Then it will be more resonant, mm. more likely to... Uh, and not to explain everything because it can be a bit too in your face. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I suppose that happens with uh, Only Fools. We only, you know, is mentioning his mother, for example, Della Rodney's mother. Uh, it's nothing's gone into in too in depth. It's just sort of skated over. Well, the Dad's Army movie, 2016. Yeah. I don't know if you're a Dad's Army fan, but you never see. I like that film. You never see Captain Mannering's wife. She's always wife spoken of. then. But they cast an actress to play. Yeah, Felicity Montague. Just, I didn't think that. I don't know why they made that decision. She should still I, be a mystery. I think it was because uh, when you're making a film, there is uh, you don't have the time to set up running jokes like uh, who Elizabeth is, and mm. uh, we fact yeah. we never see her. Yeah. Uh, you just have to, um, and also that with the they probably wanted to ha have more women in the film. Uh, Possibly, yeah. Of course, Catherine Jones is in it. I think that's, uh, you know, uh, she brings a bit of star quality, obviously, because it's, there's not many A-listers in it. Oh, I do not believe. Will you look at this, bastards? Can you believe the nerve of this? A skin the ruddy height for them. This is my Meldrew moan. Uh, I love charity shops. I think they're the the best places on earth and they're brilliant for buying books and dvds and goodness knows what else and uh, i'm able to pick up stuff came out either 70 years ago maybe or even even last month unfortunately though i find that lots of charity shops seems to have the heating system up really really high and yet 
have the door wide open and then of course all the all the heat goes out uh, which is bad for the environment for one thing but mainly all that money paid on the heating which has been made through through selling things is going to waste where really it should help the charities it's for i think it's unnecessary and uh, irresponsible and i really hope these uh, managers and, uh, and head office or wherever whoever's given them this mandate need to um, keep the doors closed in the future uh, so they can uh, carry on doing uh, wonderful work and the money goes to the right place. Anyway, so that about brings an end to a fascinating episode, Hearts of Darkness. David, your debut was a phenomenal success, especially with that insight at the end. Thank you for that. And I thought you uh, did marvellous. It's great chatting to you. And I think you're definitely coming back on. I think you might be down for another episode, I'm sure, oh, um, wow. in Series 5. We'll have to discuss that offline. But uh-huh. if you, if anyone uh, listening would like to get involved, please email onefootinthepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you just want to have a chat about the show offline, that's fine. I'm on Twitter at onefootinthepod. You'll see me on Facebook. I'm down as Victor Meldrew. Uh, but yeah, One Foot in the Grave forums on there pretty pretty active. Thank you very much for listening. Next week, I will be back with Lucy Dennett to discuss the episode Warm Champagne, uh, where very much Margaret is feeling the romance, but not for Victor. So I look forward to discussing that with her. So anyway, until next time, it's brilliant. Yeah, that one could have been aired on Valentine's Day, actually, come to think of it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys. Take care, and I'll be back next week. Cheers. Say what you will, the countryside is still the only place where I could settle down. Troubles there are so much rarer out of town. Spring starts to spring, the cuckoo starts to sing, a song to take the edge off a winter's frown. And spring cleaning has a meaning out